Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. From the high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening and or good morning wherever you may be across this great land of ours. From the... The Rock. Guam. In the Pacific. Where, by the way, I believe our service of men and women returning on their way back uh, may be right now. I think it is Guam. Yep, Guam. So I'll be doggone. Good morning there, and welcome back, guys and gals. We're glad to have you. We were beginning to get worried. Eastward to the Caribbean in the U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north all the way to the Poland, worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM, and I'm Art Bell. Hi. I guess number one tonight, I should welcome the new affiliate, shouldn't I? We've got another one. In fact, this one is pretty cool in a lot of ways because we've had a lot of trouble covering all of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Now, we will not have that problem because we have not one but two affiliates in our nation's capital. Proud to announce the addition of WTNT. Now, that's a good set of call letters, huh? WTNT. Dynamite in Washington, D.C. Out. Probably not supposed to say that. I bet a computer just somewhere stopped cold and said, Did I hear dynamite and Washington, D.C.? 570 on the dial. So um, there you are, along with WWRC, which is now 1260 on the dial. And together, we have complete coverage of Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, which is great. Absolutely great. All right. (laughs) Somebody sent me this. Kim sent me this from a website, and my eyes went wide for about two seconds when I read it. And then I took it in my wife, and she said, this is a joke, right? Right? And I I can't read it all because it ran off the page. It was too wide to print, but it comes complete, replete with photographs and pictures and everything. Moana Kea Hawaii, I guess that's how you say it. In what is being hailed as one of the most stunning and significant miscalculations in history, astronomers at the W.M. Keck Observatory in Mauna Kea, Hawaii, announced today that the sun, which has long been expected to continue burning for another five to six billion years, is now expected, apparently, to run out of fuel and collapse on Thursday. Said Dr. Jerry Nelson, we were a little off said to be project scientist at the observatory. While the nature of the miscalculation is only vaguely understood, astronomers uh, and uh, observatories around the world concur with the new finding. This is a joke, folks. The sun, also known as the star Sol, has provided the light and heat essential to every form of life on Earth for the past 4.5 billion years, and experts agree living without it is likely to be, is likely to present some problems. I get this... Uh, Says Nelson, quote, the Earth's surface temperatures will drop by as much as 60 degrees Fahrenheit by Friday morning and will bottom out at about 452 degrees Fahrenheit by Saturday afternoon. Nelson, uh, Nelson meteorologists and local authorities are recommending that uh, all Americans purchase a few extra blankets and jackets. And then it goes on to talk about the oceans freezing over and so forth and so on. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it, it is, you know, it comes replete with a bright picture of the sun, which we're used to seeing, and then a sort of pathetically diminished, dying, lightless, nearly lightless sun on the right. <laughs> However, the the uh, the photo on the on the left does depict. It must be recent. It depicts some really interesting sunspots. <laughs> uh, I want to be sure that every everybody understands that, of course, is not serious. There is enough serious stuff going on, though. From Guam, the crew of U.S. spy plane back on American territory Thursday after being held for 12 days in China in a diplomatic showdown that ended after President Bush said the U.S. was, quote, very sorry for a Chinese pilot's death and the U.S. plane's landing without permission. The 21 men and three women boarded a Continental Boeing 737 that took off at about 7.30 a.m. local time from the civilian airport uh, on the island. Uh, it quickly disappeared into the cloudy sky, bound for the U.S. military of Guam, and then on to Hawaii. So wherever you guys and gals are, welcome back. Glad to have you. We were getting seriously concerned here. Fans have stampeded at a packed soccer stadium in Johannesburg tonight, South Africa, and 43 people are dead and 150 more are injured, two of the dead children. The stampede occurred during a match between two popular teams at Ellis Park Stadium, witnesses say. The stadium was vastly overcrowded and erupted into chaos after the Orlando Pirates scored a goal against the premier uh, league rival Kaiser Chiefs. So, soccer continues to get more fans killed than any other sport on the face of the planet, I think. The weather news here in the U.S., the good old U.S., is not so good. This is Denver AP. Uh, parts of Colorado and Wyoming were paralyzed by blowing snow that closed hundreds of miles of highways and the region's biggest airport as a powerful storm battered the plains with tornadoes today because on the other side of all that cold and that snow is warm. At least two people are dead. A tornado tore through a community uh, food pantry in Iowa, killed one, and buried the body in rubble. A tornado also killed a man in Oklahoma. Up to 18 inches of snow fell along the eastern side of the Rocky Mountains. Winds gusted to 70 miles an hour, heaping the snow into deep drifts. Parts of Wyoming got up to a foot of snow. And this was from last night. Art just got home, turned your show on, heard reference to storms going through St. Louis for the past three hours. He's in St. Louis. I've been doing repairs on my father-in-law's home in fluorescent Missouri, his home was damaged by tennis-sized hailstones, tennis ball size. This is the first time that I've seen hail this large with my own eyes. His home looked like it had been shot with a big, sh giant shotgun. Windows, vinyl siding, roof shingles, unprotected automobiles all received a tremendous amount of damage. This is the worst hailstorm I have ever witnessed. And it goes on. 
Art, I live in Kansas City, and just this morning we started getting high winds blowing through town at a constant and incessant rate. The chair out on my porch nearly got tossed over the side. I've had to secure it with bungee cords. Needless to say, the wind has been extremely strong and hasn't let up a bit. This evening around 7, I rented a video, and as I was leaving the store, I stopped to pick up a paper and opened the door and started to walk out when I heard a loud cracking sound, and I saw a large tree come crashing down right in front of me. It tore right out of the metal grill that surrounded it on the sidewalk. You know the kind he's talking about, right? A big tree. You've seen those metal grills, and they come up out of the sidewalks, right? He says, it slammed down just missing me, and the car parked just beside it. If I hadn't stopped to get the paper, I'm sure I would have been under the tree when it came crashing down. I looked at the base of the tree, and it hadn't been rotted out, just torn clean away from the roots. Just wanted to let you know, the weather seems to be getting even more out of control and more dangerous. And then this. Art, we're having some severe weather and winds here in Kansas, in Wichita. The winds are clocked at 74 miles an hour. That'll do a lot of damage. Semi-trucks are being blown over. Trees are down. Windows are being blown out of some cars. Roof damage. Power lines down. 8,000 people in Wichita without power right now. A cell phone tower blown down. Airplane hangars damaged. I live in the country. And the dust is unbelievable. It rains this morning, and yesterday they're saying all this dirt is coming from not here, but Oklahoma. This is the fourth time I've tried to mail this to you, so better go now. Just thought I'd uh, let you know what's happening to one of your fans here in Kansas. So I told you it was going to be a very, very rough, violent weather day, and it sure has been, is still right now. This is one damned dangerous front. A very cold front meeting a, a very a very warm area as it moves east. And we're getting what you get when you get a lot of heat and a lot of cold. You get a lot of very violent storms. Uh, we are also... Chalk this one up to coincidence. You know, if you want to, it's fine. But at this very moment, we are getting slammed with a geomagnetic storm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should check a little bit earlier. I'll do that as we speak here. A little bit earlier in the day, uh, we were having uh, a severe storm. It had actually gone up into the severe category, and there is some possibility, uh, certainly, if you don't have... Oh, my. <laughs> we are in severe storm right now. There's been a proton event, a major storm, now severe storm. The A count is 50, the K count is 5. And as the whole mess rotates around, uh, there is some possibility, certainly in the northern latitudes, maybe, maybe, but I, I, I kind of doubt it, maybe middle latitudes, going to be a lot of aurora. You can see the sky. So the Earth is getting hammered by a big geomagnetic storm, which is coming from two coronal mass ejections from the sun, which actually came together like the proverbial perfect storm, and then came and hammered Earth just about dead on. 
auroral activity on a scale of 0 to 10 right now is at 10. <laughs> so all of that's going on right now. A strong solar wind disturbance hit our planet's magnetosphere around 1,400 uh, hours, noon Eastern time. That would be 3 o'clock here in the west, uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, triggering a severe geomagnetic storm. If it continues unabated, middle-latitude sky watchers could spot auroras tonight. So there you are. Even in the middle-latitudes, depending, you might watch it minute-to-minute for, I would say, the next two or three hours at least. All right, let's break here very quickly. Oh, by the way, in the next hour, we're going to have, it's going to be pretty interesting, I think. Paul Kolbeck will be here. And he wrote a book about a guy who was abducted and then began to build a spaceship. No, I'm not kidding you. He was building a full-sized spaceship. And we've got photographs of part of the construction of that spaceship. We've even got a photograph... Uh, which is really not a photograph. It was taken of microfilm. We'll find out how he got the microfilm of what the craft looked like. Looked like anyway. Now, obviously, it's not like photograph. That part of it was taken from microfilm. You know, a photograph of microfilm. So it's just a grayed-out picture. But uh, it'll show you what the entire craft looks like, I guess. That's up there, along with these construction photos. And this guy. Whatever you say, when you look at it, it's obvious that he was dead serious about what he was doing. Dead serious. He had a major project underway. You can see all the photographs. What you do is go to my website. Easy to do. Go to website, www.artbell.com. When you get there, you will observe that along the left-hand side, there is the color yellow. And within the color yellow... Uh, you will uh, go to where it says program. Place your cursor there and then go to tonight's guest info. You will see Paul Kolbeck's name. Under that, you will see images, video snapshots, and I'll bet you we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Total of 11 photographs, including the ship itself. 11 photographs of, of um, the work in progress, this ship, this interstellar ship, and we'll, we'll get the whole story anyway next hour. So those of you who would like a peek at it all, just remember the so-called photograph of the ship is of, of microfish. It's a photograph of uh, uh, not, not a real photograph. So uh, it was actually taken, from, I don't know how you do that, from microfilm. All that said, that's coming up next hour. It should be... Uh, uh, potentially could be very interesting. If you want to take a look at the photographs, you can do that beginning now. might be a good idea because it's going to get real crowded up there. Now we take you back to the night of April 11th, 2001, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Here's the other thing that, that I'm going to just cover and cover and cover. I am so 
fascinated with it. I have no idea how, you know, how to proceed with this subject, but I'm getting zillions of emails. The premise is a simple one, very simple. Raised by a caller the other night, uh, just the other, when was it? Two nights ago. And it involves time travel. You know me and time travel, but in a very different kind of way. Uh, the caller suggested that historical manipulation, <laughs> not that done by our present politicians, but real historical manipulation, may be occurring right now. In other words, there may be travelers far in advance of us going back in history for whatever their reasons might be and changing it. You know, sometimes just one small, little, tiny change that was made in the past could have momentous repercussions for the future. It would have to be just the right change, of course. But they're saying, well, I don't know, I've got so many to read. Hi, Art, I was listening the other night when a caller said that they remembered when Nelson Mandela died in prison. Goosebumps all over my body because I recall this happening in the late 60s or early 70s. I suffer from deja vu a lot. <gasps> deja vu. I remember President Reagan passing away about four years ago. He wasn't allowed to lie at state in our nation's capital, but I can't remember why. He was cremated. His ashes were spread on a ranch that he had once owned and loved. So I was pretty surprised when he celebrated his 90th birthday recently. You, you see, this kind of thing, people who say, you know the big argument about whether or not we really went to the moon? That that was manipulation, and that's why so many people are fighting about it, because... We're having vague memories of a different timeline. All of us, or some of us. It's an intriguing theory when you consider it. That history as we now know it uh, may be in just like that, changed. And all our memories are suddenly different. But somehow, some people are retaining memories of what they say was. Uh, certainly, it's a, I would say it's a high likelihood, wouldn't you, that at some point in the future, somebody is going to invent time travel. Even our current best um, theoretical physicists, though they say it would take a lot of power, they agree that it may indeed be possible. And if it is, and if manipulation of the past is possible, well then... The current reality, or what we consider to be current reality, may not be current reality at all. It may be the modified reality. And when it was modified, when something in the past changed, you would have a whole new set of memories, and you would never know you lost the old ones. Unless the old ones just leaked through a little bit enough so that I'm starting to get all of these emails. Something to think about, and we're, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to figure it out somehow or another. In America, can a guy from anywhere go to sleep and wake up a millionaire? Think about that. Only in America can somebody go to sleep a pauper and wake up a millionaire. Only in America 
especially those who were in the text, can go to sleep a millionaire and wake up a pauper. I hear a lot of, I see a lot of heads out there shaking. <laughs> I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. Good morning. You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. Oh, this is so interesting. Just a couple more. I, I've got hundreds of these uh, regarding timelines. Sounds a lot like sliders, doesn't it? Check this out now. Dear Art, remember in the movie Armageddon? You, you remember that, right, folks? Armageddon with uh, Bruce Willis. Fantastic movie, right? When it looked as though they were not going to be able to get the hole drilled far enough down to put the nuclear bomb in and detonate as planned, so the NASA, uh, so NASA had a second plan, and NASA took over the entire facility, then ordered that the bomb be activated anyway. Remember all that? With a statement that NASA always had two of everything. What if... NASA wanted to make sure that we went to the moon, no matter what. So NASA shot the complete lunar landing ahead of time on a sound stage, just in case we couldn't get to the moon. We really did land on the moon as well. Both sets of pictures are out there for us to see. <laughs> this is Wendy. Uh, Wendy goes on a theory number two time travel. Just like you said the other night, 
We didn't go to the moon in one timeline. Then we went back in time and corrected it, so we actually did go to the moon? Question mark? <laughs> or here, here's another one, just typical of what I'm getting. Hi, Art. When I watched Fox's Moon Hoax program, then listened to your show, it was mentioned that the U.S. was the only one that made it to the moon. Well, I ca called up all my friends, and I asked them incredulously if this was indeed true, and they all assured me it was, rather snottily, I might add, and yet I remember very well hearing at the time that the Russian cosmonauts, while not getting there first, made it to the moon several times afterwards. What's going on? Alternate timeline or just a really, really bad memory? Lots and lots and lots of emails like that. Two thousand one on Art Bell, somewhere in time. Now we plunge into the dark sky of unscreened telephone calls where literally anything can happen. Now, you know, let me tell you a little bit about screening, all right? If we screened calls, if I had a call screener here, these calls about timelines and shadow people, they never in a million years would have made it through. Never in a million years. And these are two of the most fascinating topics we've got running right now thought I'd make that point. First time caller line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Art. Hi there. Um, Long-time fan of your show and a first-time caller. I'm calling from Flagstaff, Arizona. Not far away, really? No. Not. As a matter of fact, I was uh, just uh, drove through Pahrump not too long ago. Did you? Yeah, lovely little town you have. Did you wave? Uh, well, if I knew where to wave, I might have, but... Uh... <laughs> All right, what's on your mind? Well, um, I'm a, a radio person, kind of like you, Art. I, lo I love radio. Oh, yes. And um, I, I think that the fact that a lot of these radio stations are streaming their broadcast on the Internet is a great thing. Unfortunately, today, they all seem to have yanked their, their broadcast, all their streams off the uh, Internet, and I sort of... Very perceptive of you. Yeah, I sort of understand it, but I don't totally, and I was hoping you could shed a little light on it. I know a little bit about it, yes. Uh, my company, which is owned, uh, the parent company is Clear Channel, uh -huh. which is a gigantic, gigantic company with zillions of radio stations. Stop streaming. And the reason, as I understand it, it's not just us, I guess, it's, it's everybody, is that uh, the BMI ASCAP types... Have said uh, all of a sudden you will pay for streaming on the net, you know, royalty fees for streaming on the net on top of broadcasting. So if you're a broadcaster, now you're going to get zonked twice once for broadcasting uh, a given song, let's say, and then you're going to get zapped again uh, for streaming it on the net. And so every, they're at an impasse, I guess, and so a lot of broadcasters said, the hell with this, and threw the switch and stopped streaming on the net. That's the way I understand it. Do you know anything about AFTRA? Uh, American Federation of uh, uh, AFTRA, Radio and Television Artists, yes. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, as, as I understand it, um, they asked for the, uh, they actually filed um, 
a lawsuit of some sort, which is actually saying that their commercials, um, that the radio stations don't have a right to rebroadcast their commercials on the Internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure it's after, but that's exactly right. Yes, I think it has to do with BM, BMI ASCAP royalties. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like all the big players are ruining everything good about the Internet unless they're finding a way to make money on it. And That's really all I wanted to say. But I Well, think the, 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 let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. The bigger the Internet gets, and it's getting bigger at an exponential rate, the more of this kind of crap we're going to see. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame, because I think it uh, goes against the spirit of what the Internet's all about. Well, the Internet began as a small, free, anarchistic kind of fun thing, and now it's grown, in, grown into mm-hmm, dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And when dollars get in the way, well... I needn't go on. Thanks for the call, sir. Thanks, Art. Take care. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. How are you tonight? I'm okay. That's excellent. This is Dean from Tampa. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, the China situation, it's over. They're sending our folks back. In fact, they're back now in Guam. I see uh, it's an amazing situation, sir. It's, in fact, uh, you're the person who actually turned me on to the AM radio situation. I remember sitting in Alaska listening to you talking about the quickening. That's ironic is uh, you were talking about time traveling. Literally, you can almost time travel these days because you look back in the past and start putting the pieces together of the puzzle. You start seeing the uh, situation with China. You start seeing the situation where it actually might turn into a Cold War II situation. You look at our economy right now. What else could stimulate us more than an evil empire? And it seems like almost like we're, we're actually building the wall brick by brick back again. In well, the theory, the theory used to be that wars were good for the economy, right? Oh, truly. Yeah, but uh, the next war... It might not be so good for the economy. Uh, I mean, if hardly anybody's left, and we, we're having a, a a world in which most things are radioactive dust and or decaying and dying people from radiation and all that, that's really going to have an impact on the economy. It truly will, sir. And, and the sad thing is, okay. is it, it's an amazing thing. It's almost like they know we need us. Uh, they need, you know, we need them, but they, they need us too because what happens if they take us away? I mean, they might have more land, than, but yet you're going to have a land that's going to be a wasteland, and it's, there is no well, money. Look, look, follow the money. Look look at how much money China's making from all the stuff they sell. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. that's our best protection against doomsday. That's very true, sir. And by the way, one last thing about time travel. Remember when they said greed is good? Oh, yeah. yeah in, yeah. in this category, that may be true. Wall Street. Yeah, I mean, greed is good. The Chinese are making money. Uh, they don't want to screw up the relationship, so our people are on the way home. That's very true, and I think right now what they're doing is they're just playing chess and I think reestablishing themselves as a world power, but also they've got the economic power, but I think they want to reestablish themselves as a world power. Oh, of course they do. And one day they will be a world power. Don't you ever doubt that? Oh, that is true. Anyway, anything else? Uh, actually, the only thing, uh, the time travel situation, I think that's a very interesting theory about oh, cars oh. actually going back into the actual time itself. In fact, one of the ironic things your show does is actually, it, in many ways, uh, it gives us the ability to look back into the past. And I think one of the most amazing things, uh, I think what a lot of your guests and even callers uh, seem to convey the best is if we truly do look back at the past, they start, you know, actually seeing all the different, there is a, it's actually a cycle, and yet there's many changes that we, you know, we look towards to the future because of science and things like that. We got the mapping of the human genome, but yet we've, we've had to map it to a lot of things these days, but yet if we don't truly get the clarity, we'll never actually find the way home. Well, isn't that the truth? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Take care. Uh, by the way, uh, tomorrow night, uh, there'll be an unscheduled Richard C. Hoagland appearance in the 10 o'clock first hour of the show. And he's got something that's really going to blow you away. I'm not sure that I agree with Richard on what he's going to say, the conclusion he's going to come to. It won't be the first time for that. 
But what he's going to show you tomorrow night, the, <laughs> the photograph of Mars that he's going to show you tomorrow night that he's been holding for a long time now, for the reasons that I'll, I'll let him explain the reasons tomorrow night, why he's held this incredible photograph. Or maybe he won't want to explain, I don't know. But I know I, he's got good reasons why he's held it. It's a real mind-blower, and that, that'll be the subject tomorrow night in the first hour of the show. You're not going to want to miss that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Oh, you are there. Hi. Hi. Yeah, I'm not actually the Rockies. I'm calling from the East Coast. Well, you, you see the East Did Coast... Did I dial the wrong number? No, 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 no. no. The oh. East Coast actually is East of the Rockies. Oh, I thought you said... I thought you said the Rockies, and I was... No, I said East of the Rockies. Sorry. And that, that's definitely that. you. I didn't hear you. That's all right. So, anyway, you know what? I, I was calling about time travel, but I'd also like to say that I'm really upset to hear about this not being able to get streaming radio because I'm in Maine. I'm stuck in Maine, and I'm almost totally cut off, and... I was going to break down and go out and get a computer and try to figure out a way to to get um, radio on the internet and you know. Well, don't give it up. It's prob. Uh, listen, I'm going to make a guess for you. I think it's an impasse, and that it involves dollars, and that maybe some sort of comp because there are dollars to be made. My guess would be there'll be some kind of compromise struck. And it'll be back on the net, because the net is a force that you have to deal with, period. Oh, God. It's really disgusting. <laughs> well, it's just, it's life. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say about the time travel is, now, I'm not wedded to this theory, but it's one that, that I thought of years ago when I was a kid, and that is that, if it's possible to do time travel, and I know some scientists are saying now that they've decided it is, the thing is that if we've never seen or run into time travelers, that would indicate that, we're, that the human race is not going to be around long enough to develop the technology. Well, there's a dark little theory. I know, isn't that terrible? Pretty dark, I'd say. I hope say. I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, too. That's a terrible thought, that the only reason there are no apparent time travelers, despite what I get on the phone lines here, yeah. is because we, we're not going to be around we long enough to long develop. Yet. Oh, that's a yeah. really yeah. terrible thought. I know, but it's terribly commonsensical, though, I think. It is. It sure is. Well, thanks for scaring the hell out yeah, of us. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Thank Thanks for being there. Uh, well, thank you for, for calling and take care. Yeah, great. I thought I was a master of thinking up stuff like that. I couldn't have done better myself. Oh, great. Now I'll think about that one for a while. No time travel because we're not going to be around long enough to build the technology. Hmm. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Hi there. This is Don in Hillsborough, Oregon. Hello, Don. How are you doing? Just fine, thank you. Uh, great to get through to you tonight. Uh, what, what I got here is uh, I'm wondering if any of your other list, listening audience have seen any, um, looks like pollen on the windshields of their vehicle. Pollen? Yeah, it looks like pollen, and it's real heavy. You can take it and wipe it off real, and as soon as you get it wiped off, it'll be coated again. 
Now, now, wait a minute. You're in Hillsboro, right? Yes, sir. Hillsboro. Uh, is Oregon. this happening to you every day or just today? For the last, for the last four months. For the oh, last four months. And it looks like it looks like it's kind of a yellow phone. How much driving are you doing every day? It doesn't seem to make any difference. You can drive, and it'll blow it off. You can park your car, and it's right back on there. It's um, Ali- it's alien juice. Well, you know, I don't know what it is, but it, it's driving me nuts. And I'm looking at it under a microscope, and I see round balls. Little round, round balls. Round balls? Little round balls. It looks like a molecular structure in the background. And if you focus the, the uh, microscope just right on 400 power, you can see... It. Now, I'm probably making this up. I don't know. I can see almost like red blood lines in the structure between the round globes. What are you suggesting? Some sort of biological content? Sir, that's what I think. I don't know. I've, it, right now, it's at uh, OSU, and they're going to test it. They said it would be anywhere from 10 to 15 days because they're, they're short of help. But this stuff well, is driving... Well, for, well, for one thing, you must not be alone. I mean, if, if you're noticing that level of gunk, whatever it is, alien juice on your windows, then everybody up in your area should be having the same experience. Have you talked to anybody else about this? Uh, yes, I have, Art. In fact, and? I, took it to the, I went to the wife, took the wife to her hairdresser. Uh-huh. She doesn't live around any trees. Uh-huh. Her car is covered with it. What does she say? She never even noticed it until I mentioned it to her. But I went over. I live six six miles away. I went over to where I took it to have it tested today, mm-hmm. and uh, I was in there talking to the people, and they said, "Well, we'll send it to OSU and have it tested." And I walked out of the doors, walked out to the parking lot, looked at all the cars in the parking lot. And I walked back in there and I said, can one of you people come out here, please, and look at these cars? Yeah. I said, the windshields are just covered. Run your finger across them. Pollen is soft and mellible. Uh-huh. This is gritty, like sand in it. It's, it's, and I'm wondering if any of your other listening audience has seen that on any of their car windshields. Huh, can well, it just be in Hillsboro? It's going to give me about a million emails, I bet. And and I'll tell you what, tonight this this afternoon late, there was no con no chemtrails, but late this evening, over the coast, towards the west, the, it was there were no clouds. I mean, I mean, excuse me, there were clouds, but no clouds go in a straight line. Mm-hmm. These were blowing in from the west, towards mm-hmm. the east, off of the coast. Just it looks like they just slammed the coast with chemtrails. Boy, we do live in weird times, don't we? Oh, I'm telling you. I'm just going nuts with this stuff. And, and the neighbors tell me, oh, you got too much time on your hands. Uh, yeah, some, some guy in the San Diego Union-Tribune wrote a really flippant little piece about uh, the chemtrail discussions. Uh, well, actually, chemtrails being discussed on the net and on my program. Um, I should have uh, printed it out and read it. It was really disgusting from my point of view. But wow. if that's the way he wants to cover it, fine. Uh, there was a day when newspaper people used to dig a little deeper well, and, I, and try to find out at least a little bit of truth. I don't know what happened to this guy. Really, Art, I'm surprised the news media doesn't pick up on, well, how come I can see this and nobody else is, can see it, you know? And I stand there, I told the guy today when I took it in to have it tested, I said, I can look down the side of my windshield and I can see this stuff bounce down my windshield until it finds a place to land. It bounces and rolls. And he said, you must have... Excellent eyesight. I yeah, said, I was about to say the same thing. I uh, said, no, sir, you don't have to have good eyesight. 
it's and and he said, well, it doesn't look like any kind of pollen that I've seen, and I'm not saying that it isn't pollen, but he said it doesn't appear to be like any pollen I've seen. When will you get results? He said 12 to 15 days. Well, you must be certain to email me with your phone number because, you know, the odds of getting through any time are not all that great. So right. you need to email me at artbell, that's my address, artbell at mindspring.com, and provide me with your phone number, remind me of who you are, so that when the tests come through, uh, we can get communication from you uh, immediately and get you on the air and tell everybody what in God's name was collecting on your windshield. I sure will. And Art, I, you know, I'm just wondering, because we've had this meningococcal outbreak, could this be something new that's connected with that, a virus, a, a pathogen, something? I don't know. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> Listen, we live in a day and age now where I'm hearing about something new and usually not so good every single day. So could it be something new? Heck yeah, it could be something new. Of course it could be. Yeah. Well, I've listened to you for years, Art. I think you're doing a great job. Well, thanks. Uh, thank you, and thank you for the call, and we'll thank look you. forward to the results. Okay, sir. All right, take care. Well, there's somebody at least who took it to a lab, huh? Could it be something new? Of course it could be something new. Look what's going on around us. Look what the sun is doing. Look what the weather is doing. Look at all the new diseases we're having. And I could go on and on and on and on. Look at everything that's happening right now. It's definitely quickening. No question about it. Could it be new? Heck yeah, it could be new. This is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. Stay right where you are. You're listening to Art Bell somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. You is a warmth that I thought I could never find.
Radio Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired April 11, 2001. Well, I, I don't know where we're about to go. Paul Kolbeck, who is an average kind of guy in a lot of ways, and uh, is I think he's right now, he's pretty nervous. Uh, he interviewed a man, actually went and took photographs of a man who was who had been abducted and is building a spaceship. I'm not kidding you. He's really building a spaceship, and he wrote a book about it. And we've got photographs of the initial stages, anyway, of the building of this spacecraft. Uh, no doubt instructions received or somehow obtained during the abduction. It's a pretty wild story, and we've got the photographs up on my website. And as I said, I don't know where we're going with this. You're about to find out, and so am I. But if you'll go to tonight's guest info, well, first you go to the website, www.artbell.com. Click on program, tonight's guest info. And then you'll see, it'll say images, video snapshots. And we have got 11 photographs up there of this guy who's building a spaceship from plans that he got from aliens. And it's going to take, obviously, it's going to take explanation, but, I mean, this guy has a whole, what looks like a hangar. I guess it's a hangar workshop, you could call it, but more like a hangar. And here he's putting this monstrous thing together. And then at the bottom, there's a picture of what it uh, would look like when finished. Now, it's not really a picture. This was taken of microfilm, so it's kind of just a grayscale thing of what it'll look like when it's done, but... We've got actual photographs of the construction up there. So, what did I say? How did I say to do it? I know everybody's going to be asking, and I don't want to keep giving the instructions again and again. Go to Program on the left there, Tonight's Guest Info, and then click on Video Snapshots. And and we'll, we'll talk about those with Paul coming up shortly. The, the weather across the nation is scary. U.S. News and World Report had it right. Scary weather. This is from Dano in Windsor. Windsor, mind you. This is this is April, right? This is early April, yet. Yeah. Uh, Art, there's been a severe storm alert for an area just outside of Detroit, complete with tornado and hail warnings. This is very, very odd for mid-April in this neck of the woods. The time of the warning is from midnight to 5 a.m. Eastern time. So they're in it right now. He includes a JPEG, a photograph, of what the map looks like at 1231 Eastern Time, and it didn't look good at all. So all across the nation, I mean all across the middle part of the country, it's bad. Tornadoes have killed people, and our weather is going to continue to get more severe all the time. It's just going to keep on happening, folks. So as I told the earlier audience, um, Batten down the hatches. Not much you can do if a tornado gets you, but short of that, you prepare everything for wind and hail because there's a lot of it out there. Now we take you back to the night of April 11th, 2001 on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Well, this is going to be interesting. Now comes Paul Kolbeck. Uh, pronounced. Uh, 
Oh, that that is interesting. Two in a row. Wow. Maybe that's a maybe that's a sign. I didn't do that. The computer did that. Maybe that's some kind of sign that this is going to be wild. Paul Colbeck, uh, pronounced Colbeck, as in Cole and then B-E-C, Beck. Writer, editor, publisher, videographer, web learner since 95, and brand new television program producer, Paul had himself a life-changing near-death experience in 1979, but that's not really why he's here. He's here because he's written a book called Granite, Starship Conversations with an Alien Concerning the Nature and the Secrets of the Universe. Wow, what a title. Conversations with an Alien Concerning the Nature and Secrets of the Universe. Serious stuff. And part of this led to his encounter with a man building a spaceship, an interstellar spacecraft. And we've got the actual photographs of it Check it out. Go to my website, as I told you a minute ago, and we're going to be discussing these photographs as the uh, as the program goes on tonight. So get to my website and take a look. <laughs> Here we go. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing fine, Art. How are you? I know you're you're real nervous, huh? Well, fairly nervous. Yes. It's... You're not gonna you're not gonna throw chunks on us or something. No, no, no. no. All right. Good. Uh, okay. Not to be nervous. We're just going to talk, and we're going to be talking for a long time, so nobody can be nervous for that long, or else you'll just, you know, keel over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right, I, I don't even know where we begin with all of this. As you know, I've got not all of the photographs you sent, but all, all the ones that, you know, a lot of them, it was printed information which was simply too blurry to read in the photographs, so I didn't bother to put those up. Okay? Okay. All right. So... What is this? Uh, how did you run into the story of the alien abduction of a Canadian, too, a tasty Canadian named Daniel Hammer back in 1975? He was what? Uh, abducted in 75? He was abducted on October the 21st, 1975, um, when he was 52 years old. He um, um, was sitting in his living room, and they literally took him out of his body, took him into the craft. Uh, shrunk him down to atomic size. Ho, ho, ho. Already ho. Oh. They, they took him out of his body. Or yes. did, did they do that or actually take his body? No, they actually, um, well, he, he was kind of a rough and tumble kind of guy, and he had a favorite program. And the only time that people could get a hold of him was when they, they knew when his rough, when his, uh, program was on, which was, uh, could I say the name of the program? Oh or not? yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Waltons. The Waltons. So he really liked the. There Waltons. he was enjoying the. Why in the heck would somebody get a well? Because they know where he'd be. So right yeah. in the middle of his favorite TV show, The Waltons. Well, well, actually, he was he was had uh, just taken a shower. He got home from work, taken a shower, got in front of his television, had it on, was watching the the uh, the beginning of the Waltons program, and the, the television screen went snowy. And he thought, oh, no, the aerials come off loose again. So he got up, and he goes towards the television set, and he notices that there's these two spots, two little black dots on the on the television set. And he's, he watches these spots, and they grow, and they start turning silvery. And 
he, he's sitting in his chair and he's watching these things, and, and all of a sudden, these two dots, these two silver discs, um, I should also mention he heard these uh, strange, uh, like, uh, bell sounds tinkling in the and right at the fringes of his hearing. It was kind of kind of a tinkling, all right. Kind of a tinkling sound. And he saw these two discs and they leapt off the screen, became two people on either side of him. And the next thing he knows, he's across the room looking at himself, laying in his Easy Boy. Holy smoke! So they they obeyed him basically, yes. right? They obeyed him. Yes, they just yeah. All right, so here he is standing with the two beings. The two beings on either side of him. and Looking at his own body. Just in total disbelief he, he, that he could see himself over there kind of thing. And all of a sudden they started rising up off the floor. The beings. The, he and the beings started all, rising. All of them, all right? All of them started just rising slowly up off the floor. And he thought, I'm dead. Yeah, I have sympathy with that. That's right. That's what I would have thought, too. And then he said he heard the most beautific voice he's ever heard in his life. Now, I might have been happy about the rising part. Dead, that's bad, but rising, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he, he said he heard the most beautific voice he'd ever heard right in his mind say to him something along the lines of, uh, we, don't, we don't mean to startle you or shock you. Right. You're perfectly all right. Um, you'll be perfectly okay later on. You'll be back in no time. In other words, calm down. It's calm Every, down. Everything's going to be all right. We just we just want to show you something. And they took him up through the roof of his house. Um, he was looking at the insulation and the underside of his of the roof, and he went out through the top of the roof. And it's it's early dusk, but it's still light enough that you can see what's going on. He thinks the neighbors must see this. You know this. What's what's happening here? And he's floating up, and he looks up, and he sees the bottom of this huge craft. And he said he knew that his life had changed from that second on. That this was not any normal thing, and he was hanging. In what what was this man's background? Uh, can you tell us? Uh, he he's a carpenter. He's an ex-soldier. Uh, carpenter, handyman, this guy can build anything. Um, if you look at the photographs of his shop, the actual building he's standing in, he built that building. Okay. Uh, so he's just, he was really still sort of employed in a way, I guess. Yeah, he was employed. He was a partier, heavy partier. He was uh, a partier. Oh, yeah, heavy partier. He was okay. uh, quite the uh, high-life kind of guy. He was always out dancing and... and uh, dating and all that and uh um well after the abduction he hasn't he just completely changed him. Oh, well, he's right. single-minded uh, on this where uh, where in canada does this man live and he's still alive right yes he is okay where does he live in canada can you tell us that without telling us exactly where thank you um he lives um in ontario ontario canada. ontario all right uh between toronto and ottawa are you allowed to give? Are you allowed to give his name or uh, you should, should not? Well, I guess you can, right? Daniel Hammer. Daniel Hammer is the name uh, that he, he prefers. That no one comes and bothers him while he's working. That was one of the things that really. Uh, it was difficult to go see him. If uh, you know, if someone's hoaxing you, 
it, they they want to make it very easy to hoax, right? But this guy was just very difficult to to go and see. I I had to make a couple of appointments. I understand. Wait, where are you? Where are you? I'm in Toronto. You're oh, so you're in Toronto. Oh, yeah. so it wasn't that long a trip for you? No, it's about um, it's about two hours from. Okay, me. how did you even hear about what had happened to him? Out of curiosity, to you know, to begin this odyssey to try to get hold of him. What? Well, I'm I, I'm. Uh, I have a, a small inter internet uh, news magazine, and I work at uh, uh, well, work, but I, I'm, I'm a part I'm a partner in um, a, a low-powered um, UHF television station. Right. So people come to us with all kinds of stories all the time. Gotcha. And did he come to you, or did someone else come and no, say, someone "Hey"? Someone else came to me uh, uh, about him, and I had kind of heard about him on the fringes. Uh, I kind of almost bumped into him a couple of times and didn't ha didn't realize it at the time. So but in other I words, heard this... about him and and it kind of had my interest up and I decided to go up and take a look. Okay, so this guy, no way is this guy publicity hound of any kind. No, in fact, he doesn't like people coming around. Coming around, he, every time someone comes around and sees him, he, he loses things. They pilfer from him. They, he's been. Uh, Oh, it's just, it's awful. He's been uh, strip-searched by government officials. He's I would like a souvenir of that ship myself, so I can see how that would happen. Anyway. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Anyway, so they, here he is rising through his roof and headed toward this spacecraft with these two creatures, mm -hmm. while his physical body probably blankly stares at the Waltons unfolding on TV. And they take him into the craft? Yes, they do. They take him. They take him right into the craft. He he, he kind he while he's floating above uh, the ground, he's looking around at, at his neighborhood and realizes he hasn't even bothered to look at these beings. He looks at the one being, and it's a, a man uh, about five, about five six. Looks like he's about thirty five years old, good shape. And he looks at the woman. She's uh, looks. She's a good. Young life, uh, about thirty-five. Uh, humanoid all the way. Humanoid all the way. Gotcha. And um, he saw his body laying down in his house below him. He can see the roof. He's he's hanging in the space above his house, and he but he can see himself. Right. Nope. I understand. And he he knows he doesn't have a body. He it, and he's. Beginning to go, this is doesn't make any sense to me. He's really starting to feel overwhelmed, and even they, though they told him to relax, even though they told him to relax, and and he, they open up the bottom of the craft. They they cause an opening to form, and there are these. Uh, 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 he said it sounded like crickets, playing as this stairway kind of shimmering, ghost-like stairway formed in front of him, and when he reached out to grab a hold of it, it was solid, and he could step on it. And he went up, uh, he climbed the stairway, the other aliens were behind him, the aliens were behind him, and they came up, and he came, he was the first one to enter, and he was shocked to see it was like a greenhouse. The whole bottom floor was green plants and light and... Really? Healthy plants, and really? it was, he was, uh, he was shocked. He expected, uh, something more metallic and, and. Sure. 
not not what he what he walked into. So he he um, um, they took him on up into an upper level in the in in the craft, uh, up another flight of shimmering kind of stairway, and um, said, "Let's take a seat." And they just sat down in midair and just sat in a like a invisible chair and just hung there. And so they motioned for him to sit down too. So he just sat down and he had this, there was a repulsion that just kept him from hitting the floor and he was very comfortable and he was. I could use a chair in, like that myself. Oh. Ergonomic. Evidently, what they, because they control this magnetic force, is that they do, they use it to form their furniture if they need any walls. Oh, that's or, a fascinating concept. So, and, and when they don't need it anymore, they just it's gone, and they have open space to use. Gotcha. It it, it uh, so I I uh, um, they began showing him various um, things in the ship. He he uh, he he was uh, he said the ship was made with wood. Wood. Huge wooden beams. Oh, oh, inside. Inside, huge wooden beams inside, and it was it was a stone interior, granite interior. Granite. Granite. Yes, evidently. Hence, okay, hence the name. I see. Um, yeah. The the name of the book. Granite starship. Granite starship. And and you really mean that? Granite. 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 Yes, the entire ship is made of granite. Okay. And they have a a energy frequency generator which works on on magnetic uh uh attraction and repulsion in a vibration and it opens doors to different dimensions and causes um, energy to flow through the stone that causes the stone to become weightless. And then they move it around uh, by various means. They they uh, they, oh. they pull in air, ionize the air, and then use the uh, ionize. Hello. Yeah, I'm oh. right Use the ionized. Uh, what happened? Did you hear a click or something? I heard a click. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. it. Dial tone is deadly. Everything else is bearable. Okay. So so anyway, I will only like stop you long enough to say. Ionic, you know the guy. You know the guy down in Florida who built. Uh, that thing out of tons and tons of rock, granite, I think, as a matter of fact. No. You, ever hear, you didn't hear about the Coral Castle down in Florida? No, I didn't. Really? No. It's impossible that he could have moved these heavy stones, but he did it. Nobody really knows how. The guy was like 100 pounds and 5 feet tall, and he moved 20-ton stones, you know, like the Egyptians moved stones. Yes. Absolutely incredible stuff, and when you said it, when you just said that, uh, it, for some reason, reminded me of that. Listen, we're at the bottom of the hour. Okay. So we will continue with this story momentarily. Hold on and take a nice, deep breath. I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. Take a look at these photos. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. Girl, you're in my arms and know the magic of her charms cause I want girl to call my own I want a dream lover so I don't have to dream alone dream lover where are you with a love oh so true and 
listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from April 11, 2001. It is, and my guest is Paul Kolbach, telling the story of a Canadian man, Daniel Hammer, who was abducted, and he wrote a book about it called Granite Starship Conversations with an Alien Concerning the Nature of the Secrets of the Universe. More in a moment. Stay right where you are. Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from April 11, 2001. Back now to Paul Colbeck, who somehow got access to this uh, Canadian who is somewhat of a recluse. I, I guess, you, would you say he's some, somewhat of a recluse, Paul? Yes, I would. All right. So he didn't, uh, when, when you first called him, before we get back to the story, I guess he wasn't too wild about talking to you or what? No. What do you say? Well, he's French-Canadian, and he's rather brusque, and... Uh, what you want to bother me for, and you know all this. I mean, really, leave me alone. And, and well, how'd you actually do it? the how actually how actually it happened was a a lady that I know had visited him a couple of years before, and um, had done a couple of favors for him or whatever, and um, she wanted me to go out and see him. She'd been after me. Oh, I don't know. Must have been two months, three months or so, and I I finally decided, okay, I'll, I'll take the two-hour drive out there. Um, I'll write a small article on it in my magazine, and we'll gotcha. do a little, we'll do a few clips on him on the on the uh, on the TV station, and and right. that'll be it. And uh, to tell you the truth, I kind of went out there to 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 do a little slam dunk on him. <laughs> yeah, the old slam dunk. See, you're no different than any of the rest of the media, huh? You were going to write yourself a nifty little kicker story, huh? That's right. That's what I thought it was. All right. All right. Anyway, so you got out there, and uh, he had agreed. He said, all right, we'll talk or something. Yeah, we'll talk. And, and uh, he basically took me and, and her on a tour of all of his work and what he was doing and uh, I took a lot of those photographs that's when okay that's when you got the photographs that we've got on the website now of yes. the craft right yes okay all right all right so let's go back now to here we are in the craft and he's noticing granite yes um, he said it was some of the most beautiful granite he'd ever seen he said the lighting of the craft was almost done so that it would highlight the swirls and and the uh, and the beauty of the stone and and the layout of the wood and he said the the floor um, when he actually got to looking at it 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 was hardwood floor a hardwood floor yes but it was actually bamboo you know what I actually we all think of spacecraft in. I guess we have fixed ideas of it, right? It would be very high-tech. It would be um, some sort of weird metal and smooth walls and controls and buttons and knobs. And this is more like an ergonomic par excellence craft. I mean, it's like it's like it might really be versus what we think, actually. 
when you think about it. In other words, we have this fixed idea of what, what, what craft like that would look like. But why? I mean, who are we? How do we know how they'd build a craft? So, okay. So, continue. Well, evidently, these, these, these people actually, they live in these craft. Sure. And, and as some people would have uh, houses, they have different sites on different planets that they go to and different uh, m- meetings and, and uh, uh, reunions and gatherings and and um, what did they call it? They, it was, they said it was kind of, the closest thing we had to the way they um, would get together was like a regatta. A regatta. Uh, uh, did, they know, say, sailors. did they get say together. where they're from? Uh, Clandon, which is... Clandon? Uh, Clandon, which is, on the, uh, which is a planet much like Earth. Evidently, it's, it's very well, much connected with Earth, like a, a sister world almost. And, uh, but it's, this is kind of odd. The way it was explained to me is... The whole thing is odd, but that's all right. Clandon. Um, yes, it, it, they, they live on, it's, it's on like two universes away kind of thing. They live across our universe, straight across it on the other side, and then on the other side of theirs. So that's, that's how far they came. Mucho many light years, huh? Yes. All right, yeah, so they do it. Uh, they do it. It's 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 it's. They followed an entirely different technological path. Huh? Yes, they call it amplification technology, and they call what we do expansion technology because we're always burning something or blowing something up. It's always expanding something. They have amplification technology versus our expansion technology. Hmm. Um. I understand, I guess, as you just explained it, expansion technology. We, yes, we use things up, we blow things up, we do that. How does amplification technology differ? What's the difference? Um, it's a self-feeding energy force. that uh, it, it, um, And they've somehow tapped into... Um, well, I've always heard that, you know, if you took any cubic centimeter of space in front of you, uh, it, 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 it holds an incredible amount of energy. And somehow they've tapped into that energy in, in space, the actual energy that um, well, creates the universe. Well, as a matter of fact, um, the latest news on the expanding universe is that it's still expanding, and scientists don't know why. They theorize because of dark matter, which is energy still pushing everything away from the moment of the Big Bang until now, everything continues to expand when it should not. So there is some force out there continuing to expand the universe that our scientists don't quite understand yet. They said we've 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 made a few mistakes in our uh, scientific ideas and and, and concepts. <laughs> Who us? Us, yeah. Mistakes, us. Yeah. Um, they said that we have. Um, we have uncovered. How'd they put it? Um, something about we have we have uncovered monuments to our ability to misread reality. What did that mean? I think they're talking about the Sphinx and Stonehenge oh. and the pyramids and what thing, when things were really built and what they were yes. really for. Yes. Well, in fact, those monuments approximate. The kind of thing you saw, or not you, I'm sorry, uh, but that what Daniel Hammer saw in, saw in their craft, right? 
in a way, you're, you, you talked about stone, you talked about granite. Yes. And yes. when you go to the uh, the Sphinx and uh, the, the pyramids and stone and stone granite, edge and uh, what, what what do we have? We have granite. Well, All right. Um, you can actually put a an electrical uh, measurement device on a piece of granite. Go to the other side of it, strike it with a hammer, and it will give you an electrical reading. I think that's correct, actually. So th they're from the planet Clandon. Clandon. It's about two universes away, but yet we are connected with it because the things that we... The reason they came here, basically, was... One of the reasons they came here was um, we are having effects on their planet. What we're doing here. What we're doing here. Actually, there's all kinds of things to tell about predictions they have for the fate of Earth. Yes. And all, but you know what? In a way, we've got to jump ahead, and then we'll jump back if that's okay. all right. Because we've got all of these photographs on the website, and people are probably going, huh, what, what is this? What are all these? Now, how and why did, um, uh, did Daniel get plans for... A starship, a granite starship. Well, that's one of the things that they did when they had when he was on board. Um, um, they actually, in his OBE state, I guess, out of body state, they shrank him down to atomic size and guided him through the workings of the energy frequency generator. The the motor or the engine or the power or whatever you want to call it, this, um, um, You mean like so much Quaker State motor oil? He yeah. went running through the virtual engine of this craft. Yeah, he, he says he was able to actually push against it and see how things worked. <laughs> and they, and, and it, he, it, it just, as he was doing it, he just, Understood it, and it just is like they were they imprinted it, the knowledge in into him and how it worked and how uh, and since that time he has had um, several uh, occasions where um, he's had visions. He calls them hallucination. You know, they they give me a hallucination, and I and actually I think they've they've given him a vision when he was up against something where he didn't understand. So they would give him these um, visions. visions, so that he could understand. So that he could understand it. So that he could design one of these craft himself. He took yes. that as as the challenge. Yes. Um, and the, and does Daniel Hammer seem to you to be otherwise, uh, you know, other than being a little cranky, um, and a typical Canadian? You guys were a little different up there. <laughs> uh, does he otherwise seem to be a pretty straightforward guy? Oh, yes. He does. Oh, yeah. He's, he's your typical French-Canadian, straight-up, honest, you know, straightforward guy. He'll tell you, you know where you stand right now. Yep, with him, huh? Yeah. And he right. no mention words, and uh, he he's very strong in his beliefs. He's not a... Uh, um... Did he have any of this before any of this happened to him? Or was he just... You know, as you said, a handyman, a carpenter, and so yeah. forth. Um, as a matter of fact, he he was of basically the same belief that I was, uh, that if there were uh, other beings in the universe and they were smart enough to come here, once they saw us, they'd probably be smart enough to leave. Uh-huh. So, and so there, you know, we, we, we don't, you know, 
you know, uh, aliens coming to save us and all that. I mean, like that's, you know. Baloney. Baloney, you know. And uh, then I walk into this. and I hear you. All right, so you arrived at his place. This was, when were these pictures taken? What year? 1998. 98, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. That's when I was interviewing him for the book, and, and I wrote the book, 98-99. All right, these photographs depict um, him in his shop mm -hmm. working on... The craft. The craft. And, yeah. and this thing is pretty doggone big, actually. It's, it's not gigantic, but it's pretty doggone big. How big, how, what would you say would be the diameter of this thing? Well, of those rings, I'd say the diameter of those are about um, ten, eight, nine, ten feet, somewhere in there. And what are these rings made out of? Stainless steel. Stainless steel? Mm-hmm. That's quite a project, stainless oh. steel. Oh, yes. And, and the rings and were what? The rings were part, what part of the craft did the rings represent? Um... Uh, let me see if I can describe how this thing is built. The the, the rings uh, are, are 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 there's three of these. There's three sets of rings. Three sets. Three. Of rings. These are the small rings. There's another set of rings that he's already built that are larger, and there's another set of rings that are even larger than that. And he has the and um, he's. Um, let me see. I, you know, I'm looking at the man and I'm looking at the rings. They must be at least 12 feet in diameter, somewhere around there. Yes. At least that. Stainless steel. Stainless steel, yes. And really, uh, obviously... Those are the small ones. Those are and, the small and ones. And those little, the, the, the little, um, you see the little, the little rectangles on the top of them yeah, and I on do. the bottom? I do, yes, I do. Those are magnets that he's got locked in keepers on... So the rings actually float above each other on magnetic repulsion. Holy smokes. Then along the edges, if you see those little, um, along the edge of the, of the rings, it's riveted with magnets that are positioned according to their magnetic fields. Okay. All the way around these rings. Really? Yes. This, this, I mean, even at this stage, the fellow was, had done, my God, he'd done, uh, it must have been, what, months and years of, of work? Or how long had he been working on this to get this far? Uh, this is actually the third model, the third one. And he decided he had to build it full size because when he built smaller ones, he couldn't control them. So he first, okay, so first he built small scale models? Yes. And what happened to them? Um, well, the very first one he built uh, took him about a year and a half after the abduction. Yes. And uh, it, it, he was just trying out certain parts of it, trying to think if this was real or not. So he tried, and he got it started, and then he couldn't get it stopped. So he decided to just let it run. Um, well, what do you mean he got it started? Um, he built it. Right. He, he, he pushed He. Pushed it, he got it rolling, and it just it just wobbled and 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 slowly got faster and faster, and then it it was just running. And he decided he was going to try and stop it, but when he tried to stop it, it was like he said it was like trying to grab the uh, center piece of your of your washing machine while it's doing a spin rinse. You know, you're trying to grab this thing and hold on to it. Yeah. 
He said that's what it was like, so he decided, oh, I'm not fooling with this, I'm just going to let it run. And so he let it run? So he let it run. In the middle of the night, it exploded. And it blew out a big chunk of his the roof of his garage. And um, it, he... It, it, it blew up? It blew up. Well, I, I understand the not stopping it part. I, I can see how it would be incredibly dangerous, in fact, to try to stop it, right? Mm-hmm. So and it wasn't even the whole. It wasn't even the whole machine. This is just a, a part of it uh, that he was testing it to, to see how it, how it, how it worked, just to see it work himself, to see if he could actually do something that, and make it work. So it blew up his garage or his, mm -hmm. his workshop. Huh. Yeah, and 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 when he went to go to the garage, he thought the garage was on fire because he saw the red amber glow of uh of fire through the doorway it was an attached garage gotcha and but there was no smoke and there was no heat so he cautiously went into the garage and and here were the pieces of this thing all around the garage glowing red as if they were molten but there was no he real heat coming from them he could pick them up and hold them in his hand and they were glowing holy smokes so he, he knew he was onto something yeah. And he thought, well, maybe this is radiation. I better put it down. So he got away from it, and he left it in the garage. And by the next morning, everything was back to kind of like normal. But, but it was in pieces. Pieces, yeah. So th this explosion occurred between 98 and 99 in the first scale model, huh? Oh, no, no. This was uh, in 76. He was still living in British Columbia at this time. This, the abduction actually happened in British Columbia. Now I'm confused. Uh, he was abducted at in, what in year? In British Columbia. What year? Pardon? What year? In 1975. Oh, 75. Okay. 19... All right. So, so then the uh, the first scale model that you saw him in 98. I saw him in 98. All right. All right. Now I'm getting my timeline straight okay. here. I think. And he's he's shown me pictures of his of his garage and stuff. You saw, actually saw it blown up. Well, I, I, didn't, the... I didn't actually see his garage blown up, but no, I no, saw no, pictures no, no. It, and, it, and it, reports in right. the newspaper and stuff. That right. Oh, also, oh, even the, the local newspapers had covered the explosion. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been uh, he had been quite the darling of the news for a while there in British Columbia in his local area, but uh, then he decided that he wasn't going to try that again in the house, and so he built one outdoors. Is this fellow married or? Uh, yes, he is. Maybe his wife said. Oh no, you don't! Not again! <laughs> oh, I, you, you got to listen to your wife. They're always right, you know. Anyway, so know, he he, he he took it outside and he put it. He he tried to he disguised it basically as a water tower. He was telling everyone he was building a water tower. So he yeah, are you talking about now when he's building what the second scale model? Yeah, well, this was still in British Columbia when he built the second scale model. Right, right. But this one uh, is the second scale model. I want to be clear on that, right? No, and this one is the third full-size model. He's building the full-size craft because he built the first one. He couldn't shut it off. It was too small. He, he didn't have a braking mechanism. He had right. no way of really getting. So he decided he decided to build it larger and 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 and, and but small because. Uh, just you know, testing it out again, and uh, he how, wanted how to rough, have it take off and have people see it. He wanted to do a demonstration that people would see. And how big was this one, roughly? The one this he... one was this. This one was about eight feet in diameter, eight nine feet in diameter. How, and the first one was roughly 
what diameter? Well, it was, it was he, he actually built it in a 45-gallon drum. So that's the diameter. It was about the, about the size of a 45-gallon drum. Not really all that big, huh? No. And then, okay. Uh, so it, it, but it was so powerful, you can't control it when it's that small. Is his well, problem. if it blows your garage up, you know that when you're building a bigger one, you better be outside somewhere. Yes. All right. Well, that yeah. all makes sense. All right. We're at the top of the hour, uh, so you can take a good deep breath, all right? This is some story, isn't it? Some story. All right, Well, Paul. I thought so. I, yeah, I, oh, I, I, yeah, of course you did, as yeah. a reporter. All right, Paul, hold on. We'll be back to you after the break at the top of the hour. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. Go look at the photos. You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from April 11, 2001. to burst up through tarmac to the sun again or to fly to the sun without burning a wing to lie in a meadow and hear the grass sing to have all these things in our memories or from the user to help us Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. Good morning, everybody. What a story we're getting. Paul Kolbeck is here. Uh, he's from Canada, very close to the subject of the, uh, the night, actually. The alien abduction of Canadian Daniel Hammer uh, back in 1975 and the subsequent building of spacecraft by Mr. Hammer. And all I can tell you is, as you listen, my suggestion, if you have a computer, is to go to my website, www.artbell.com, go to Program, Tonight's Guest Info, and then you'll see the name Paul Kolbeck. Just click on Video Snapshots, and you will see the sections of the craft that this man is building. This is no lightweight attempt. This is a very serious thing he's doing in what looks like a hangar. We've got a whole series of 11 photographs, and we'll try as best we can to explain them to you as we go. 
It's quite a story, and the rest of it is coming right up, so stay right there. to subscribe to the After Dark newsletter. Not only will you receive that December issue with articles on the mystery and origins of angels and their interdimensional contact with ETs, but also inspiring stories of miracles and the more about the mysterious Akashic records and how to get them. You also don't want to miss my editorial on Santa Claus. The best part about subscribing right now is that you'll be all set to get the January predictions issue, and that's a big one. Find out what's in store for the year 2008 and what you can do to profit from the coming economic hard times that some are seeing on the horizon. Call right now, toll free, 1-888-727-5505. That's 1-888-727-5505. Now, for only $39.95, you'll get 12 monthly issues plus one extra issue absolutely free. Or you can also sign up online safe and secure at www.coasttocoastam.com. Now we take you back to the night of April 11th, 2001 on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. All right, uh, back now to Canada and Paul Kolbeck. Paul, uh, welcome back. Good to be back. You realize, don't you, how incredible this story sounds to the audience. In fact, it's so incredible that without the photographs, I almost didn't feel like I could bring you on the air because people just wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it. That's all there is to it. But, I mean, here are the photographs of this man building... This incredible craft. Anyway, listen, we were up to, like, number three, uh, the one he was building outside. What happened to that one? I mean, obviously, he must have invited some people to see it. He wanted it to be seen, right, when he tested? Oh, yes. He he had had made some some invitations for... um, uh, for people to come and see it, and he was out working on the the craft, <clears throat> preparing it for its uh, debut or whatever. Yes. And um, he was out about 11 o'clock at night working on it, and he did the wrong thing, whatever it was. He Well, actually, he, he turned the top, and he thinks that it knocks something loose in one of the blocks that he had loose inside and the whole thing started up and uh, he had to get off the craft and uh it's what do you mean by starting up it began to it self-started he he just he did the he yeah but i mean the, the procedure for the starting of this craft i guess would be that these great big rings um uh, that uh, that have the magnets on them would begin to rotate. Is that what you mean by start? Well, actually, they 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 don't uh, they don't rotate, and it's it's a series of things that actually happens. There's a set of magnetic cones that actually are the uh, uh, that are moving back and forth because there's right on top of them there's a uh, a ball. That sits on the top of this machine, and it's the it's they call it the forever falling mass. All right, is that now? I'm looking at a photo that says explain, 
and I see like a cone with a ball on top of it. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Um, Is that the ball? That's, yes, that's that's a model that he made of to, to show how the thing operates. All right. Um, that's basically a, a, a bowling ball with his with this uh, metal skirt on it with the magnets on it. All right. Uh, but um, that's part of another little demonstration that he does. But actually, the ball is um, the one where he's at the workbench, and you can see this little. Um, um, I don't know. It looks like a it looks like a pacifier for baby Huey or something. It's it's got that the, the oh I see it yes uh huh it's got that like a nipple on it yes well if you if you look closely at that it's, you see that it's actually on a round like a round uh, stone wheel that's right yes well in his hand uh, he has a, another piece of stone there. And um, it's 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 basically a rounded ball or a half of a ball, and in the center of the bottom of it is a very fine worked piece of of uh, stonework that fits right over that nipple. Huh. So the big stone sits on top of there, so that it rides just above that 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 uh, unfinished uh, space of the top of the of the disc. Gotcha. All right. To where the nipple goes in the center. Uh, it sits over top of that, and it rocks. It rocks around. And and then uh, it's attached to the cones. It moves the cones. The cones cause the, the, uh, the, 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 the rings to move, and it starts the, the entire electrical process. It, all, right. It, it's, all right, all right, all right. So... Um, then he, he he did he screwed up I guess and yeah, he, he started the ball at the top he started this ball rolling at the top and it just started it up and the next thing you know he it was out of his control he couldn't he again had didn't have a braking mechanism built into it so it took it uh, oh two or three minutes to wind up to a real good pitch and it just broke loose from everything and took off in into uh, into uh, into space straight up straight up and he basically he just had time to run into his house get his little brownie camera run back outside and and he got some some shots and um, that's that difficult one to see it's it's, a, it's small ship one I don't know if you I think you oh no that. it's not that hard to see. Oh yes. Okay. Well, on the little the photograph no, small, on the left. That's the okay. Graph. Maybe I didn't get that one, but I've got one here entitled "Small Ships," right? Small ships. Okay. What am I seeing there? There's those are four, five photographs. No, right? no, I don't have all those five photographs up because. Uh, oh wait a minute. Oh, yes, little, I do. Too. Yes, I see now. I see. All right, I see. The These are little, separate photographs. Those are little separate photographs pasted to that piece of uh, cardboard or whatever. I've got you. Onto. Yep, 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 yep. The one on the left, that's actually the, the, his little craft. That's a little craft built up on the stilts to make it look like a water tower. I see it, yes. And then when he was taking his picture, the one on the right there, that's the first one he was able to snatch. He's got one of those little brownie cameras where you got to turn the little knob. Right. It's the big, you know, yeah, it's just the box. And, the, and so what we're seeing is we're seeing his craft disappear into the sky. This ain't disappearing into the sky. That's what that is, yes. How disappointing for him that must have been. Even though he did get a couple of pictures, 
It would have been so much better with all the people there during the day. And they would have been there just a couple of days later. Must have been very disappointing. For oh, him. he was just, he was crushed. He was, he was, he was, he was mad at himself. He was mad at, you know, he was just, oh, he was, and, and it, it, uh, really threw him for a loop. But he ran inside, and, um, luckily the telephone service was still working, but because this thing put out all the televisions for miles around, it, it blew Did up. It really? It, it, it overloaded the, uh, electrical systems, the whole, uh, the whole area went into a blackout. You're kidding. Now, now obviously there must be newspaper records of this occurrence. If, if he blacked out telephones and power. Yes, there are, there are pro yes, there are records of that. There, there are, are records, records of that. Good there are records Lord. of blackouts and things. He called around to the airports and to the Air Force. He called everybody all around to see if they'd seen anything. And? Nobody had really seen anything. So he, about nice. a week and a half, two weeks later, he's going out the back door of his house to take out the garbage. And he notices that it's absolutely silent. And there's always bird sound. He's, he lives in, you know, there's... There's always something going on, and it's yes. absolutely quiet. Yes. He's walking out towards the garbage, and this car pulls up into his driveway. Right. And these two surly guys, and he said they were like dark suits, just got out of their car and started, walked into his house, walked all through his house. Um, um, Whenever he he asked them who they were and all that, and this one guy just pulled back his his coat and showed him this gun and just looked at him, and he just he just knew to keep like, his mouth shut. Here I am. You don't want to know where we're from. You don't know. Like you that. don't. You know we're not even here, kind of thing. Yeah. And he they went through everything. They went and then they took him over. They grabbed him and took him over to the car, strip searched him. Walked back to the car door and talked into their sleeve, said, nothing here. There's nothing here. And got into the car. Uh -huh. And he, he's basically putting his clothes on, watching these guys drive away, thinking, yeah, there's nothing here. It flew away two weeks ago. It's like $3,000 in magnets and like a year and a half or two years of work. Uh, and uh, And then he hears people in the bushes withdrawing out of the... You know, he can't really see them, but he can hear people walking away out through the, the forest, through the woods around his property. And uh, he knew he must be onto something. And when the aliens had abducted him, they had brought him to Ontario in the abduction and showed him a piece of property in Ontario, and he decided now it's time to move. All right, so the first craft that he built exploded and yeah. blew up blew up uh, it was part of his building. The second uh, one he did escaped and uh, flew straight up into space like that. Yes. Now he's building the third one. Yes. And this one is full size. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing the construction of in these photos? Or? Yes. Yes. All right, so this is going to be one big craft what do you suppose the the um, uh, the diameter of this craft will be when he is done he said it was going to be 40 feet 40 feet yeah and it will include how many of these intricate rings that we can see him building with the magnets and all that how many of the rings nine will... actual rings nine of these yeah my god what a project 
and he's already built uh, the two bigger sets. They're in storage. Uh, oh, I understand. Uh, yeah, you can see a virtual manufacturing process. It looks like he's got a almost a a barracks or a, uh, a maybe an airplane hangar kind of place he's building he a, this in. It's a, it's a giant Quonset hut that comes in Quonset parts hut. and pieces. No. He right. poured the floor and put that building up himself. All right. All the all the all the stairways, all the carpentry, everything you all you see that's built there. Yes, that's him. All right, what is this certificate? One of the photos is of a certificate. What does that mean? That uh, is a certificate of his um, winning a medal during the Second World War. Um, he, he joined underage and was in Europe. Okay, so and it's part of his... he did a heroic act okay. and was given a, an, a medal by the Russians which the British and the Canadians took away from him, and um, he got in all kinds of trouble because he uh, was uh, talking to these people in, uh, I think it was Poland, and he was warned by the, by the Canadian government not to pursue that anymore because he's trying to get his medal back. All right. So he was, giving, he was giving you all this and other documentation just to mm -hmm. show you about his background. Yes. All right, now, let's cover the craft at the bottom. Well, the, the reason I bring that up is because the, evidently the aliens were watching him through the Second World War and saw some of the way he did things and what he did, and that's one of the reasons they chose him for this task. All right, how far along right now is he with the full-size model? Do you know? He's ready to go to the building of the shells, the granite shells. There's a set of granite shells that you put around the engine, of course, and then there's the granite shells of the craft itself. And you you hinge all that together, and uh, then it's there's uh, holes or you um, you drill through the granite. Um, 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 what would you call them? Shafts or something. And you put uh, stainless steel cable through it, and you 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 you, um, you crank that down. That's how you uh, put this. The craft is almost built like an igloo in a way. Anyway, needless to say, he's and in it's the, he's in the final together. he's in the final stages. Oh yes, he's in the final yeah, stages. Right, right. He's ready to move ahead. All right, I, uh, so that people don't go all fooey, let's go down to the bottom picture. The last picture on the bottom. It says a photo. Of the craft itself, but this is not really a photo, is it? Uh, this is. How did he come upon this? If you wouldn't mind, what, what, uh, are, what are we seeing here? When he returned from the abduction, yes, they he about well the next morning, he noticed that there was this black spot in the center of his hand, and. Um, it's just a black spot. He thought he, you know, he was looking at it and fooling with it and, and realized it was something embedded in his skin. So he took out his pocket knife and he cut this thing out. Really? Yeah, it was just like in the first layer of skin. It wasn't, you know, like really deep or anything. It was like just under the first layer of skin. So he cut it out. He just cut it right off or cut it out and realized that it was a, it was a piece of microfilm from his war experiences. He... he been involved in some of those things, and he realized it was a piece of microfilm. So he took this microfilm to uh, his friend, and they, they blew it up, and that's the picture they got. You've got to be kidding. No. You're not kidding. No.
That's that's the and and since then, unfortunately, I asked him if I could see the microfilm, and he said nothing. He stole that already. So he had this embedded in his skin. He took a knife. He got it out. He took it to a friend. It was a piece of microfilm. They managed to get a photograph of the microfilm, and the photograph was the craft. Yes. And he maintains, I suppose, that is in fact the, the craft, craft that, that he was on. taken up to, right? Yes. Even though he's only seen it from the bottom, the shape of it and everything, he said that's 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 what he he's sure that that's the craft. Even though he only saw it actually basically from the bottom. And if you look at that picture, that's taken from out in front of that thing somehow. And it's not, you know, it's like, uh, how would they get that photograph? Would I wouldn't be, have the slightest idea. I mean, it would, it would either have to be taken from another craft, or somehow they'd have to be able to get out and get in front of the craft, which he did witness them doing when they took him around the Horsehead Nebula. They took him around the Horsehead Nebula? Yes. He okay, was, so he, he, he has... He had he quite a ride. Oh, yes. Well, he was sitting there thinking that this thing's, you know, I've seen it fly around, and it's hanging in space and all that. Yeah, I get that, but this is all, granted, it's all natural. Is this thing safe in space? That's a, thinking that's a, this. That's, that's a, I would be thinking the same thing. I mean, uh, granted, you wouldn't think would do real well in a vacuum, would you? No. No, and and it, wouldn't it leak? And what if it's cracked? And all he he just he was he had all these doubts in his mind. And most of, well, the conversations he had with the aliens were not physical conversations like you and I are having. It was he, he described it as a thought would come into your mind, full blown, bang, no, telepathic, uh, telepathic. And, and all at once, not an explained thing. No, but as he found out about the craft. Uh, boom, the knowledge was just there, right? Yes. He said it came with music and sights and sounds and examples, and it just, it was an onslaught. Oh, this, this is excellent, Paul. All right, hold on, hold it right there. Paul wrote the book after photographing all this and talking to this man. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. Reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. 
turned to me as if to say, Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. Radio Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired April 11th, 2001. What an incredible program. Paul Kolbeck is here. Kolbeck, that's how you pronounce it. He's written a book called Granite Starship Conversations with an Alien Concerning the Nature of the Secrets of the Universe and, by the way, how to build a starship. And this man, this, this man, Daniel Hammer has almost now completed uh, the final model, the full-size model of the spacecraft that you can see photographs of on my website right now. You've heard what happened to the first two. In a minute, you're going to hear what the aliens told him about us. It bears your attention. Now we take you back to the night of April 11th, 2001, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Oh, the IRS. Oh, yeah. Going into the 12th, huh? It's the 15th. Coming fast now. Paul Colbeck wrote the book after... I, there's no chance that... No chance I'd have brought this man on for this second-hand story, save the fact that, A, he's a reporter, B, he did the smart thing, and he took photographs. C, there's all kinds of supporting um, uh, uh, documents uh, for everything that has happened. The first craft that exploded and blew a hole through his roof, the second craft he built that flew and escaped into space, uh, creating power outages and blackouts and uh, newspaper articles about all of that, and apparently he's well known where he is there for having done this work. And now, here is this man, again, we've got the photographs, building this granite, and I know it seems weird, granite starship, full-size starship, and he's almost done. In fact, Paul wrote to me here that, Hey, Art, you want to come and see it. Did you mean that? Yes, I do. You mean I could come and see the craft? Yes. Huh. Uh, all right. What's, 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 what's do you understand? So far, he, this spring, um, um, he, he's trying to get the uh, backing together to buy a uh, stone quarry because he needs to go out and build basically a, the, the workbench to uh, build the craft on. Uh, all right. I... Do you understand the kind of reactions I'm getting? I'm reading Fast Blast right now, and here's um, here's a good one, actually. Uh, yes, granite has magnetite in it. It makes sense. And, of course, uh, we can think of the, uh, uh, you know, we can think of Egypt, and we can think of the pyramids and uh, the Sphinx, and, as you said, Stonehenge. I mean, in a way, it does make sense. Who are we to presume that they'd be building it out of... Uh, earthly-type materials to travel in interstellar space. Maybe there's a whole other answer, a whole other technological direction 
that they went, that he's trying to go, that we haven't gone in. So, you know, but, but then again, Ben in San Jose, who may not have seen the photographs, says simply, oh, come on, are you for real? So how do you react to that? Well, how do I... well I'm just the messenger. I haven't been abducted yet, and... Uh, uh, yeah, in America, we don't shoot the messengers. In Russia, they do, and they have to pay for the bullets, too. But you're just the messenger, right? I'm just the messenger. I'm just telling you what he reported to me, and this man has literally spent his his life, the last 25 years of it, from the age of 52 till he's, he's now 77. Working on all this, right? Working on this, yeah. Yes. No, I've got it. And now, he's, been, he's a pensioner, and he's done it all in his pension. And um, his wife is handicapped, so he's been taking care of a handicapped wife and doing this at the same time. It's... Um, huh. And and you've been following him for how long? Since ninety eight. Since ninety eight. Since yes. ninety eight. All right. August. I, I, I don't know what to say to this. It's ama- It is amazing. I, all right. Let's get this in now while we can. They told him when he was in the craft. They told him a lot of things about us, didn't they? Yes. What did they tell him about us? Um, besides that, we are we are all related, and that there's really only one race. And I think they were talking about all the, all the races, the, all the in the in the universe, and that. Uh, well, you I, did I'm not say even sure, but you, uh, you did say the aliens looked just like us. Yes, right. So there were some major differences between uh, their technology and and uh, uh, and their lifespans and and things like that from ours. Uh, for instance, um, the older one that they met when they were on the ship. Um, was around ten thousand years old. The the fellow that he went onto the ship with, I think he was around nine thousand. I think the woman was around seven thousand years old. And some real advances with HGH, huh? Yes. Yeah. Um, HGH, magnetic energy, electronic. They they're using magnetic energy to heal their body at the atomic level. They, well, they, again, I'm not very surprised. Uh, healing by magnetics, yes. yes. I, I believe in that. I absolutely believe in that. Yeah, so, um, and you know, the other I, thing that I found was very interesting that they said, and I really don't get this, I don't, I don't quite understand exactly what they're talking about, but one of the things that they do is they retrieve their time. They retrieve their time. Yes, they. It's like they live their time and then they take the time back again somehow, and, and they, they they can live it over again. But they they still have the experiences and they've still done somehow they can retrieve. Oh, this is their absolutely time. fascinating. I, there's no way in hell you could have made all this up. Well, no, no. I'm. I, you're I, a, you're just a journalist. I I yes. understand. All right, there were some dire, very dire predictions made for Earth, the fate of man. Right. Yes. Like what? Um, they were talking, well, they came for several reasons. One of the reasons was was to, to instruct him how to make these crafts so that he could make one and everyone, other people would catch on and they could make a lot of them so that we could escape um, planet from what's going to befall the Earth. Evidently, um, now I'm not sure... Um, 
whether it's two different things or it's one thing, but they were calling it Dim Sun Dark Star. Dim Sun Dark, Dark Star. Star. And they said that this is a, 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 a nemesis kind of a thing that has been coming through our solar system or by our solar system uh, about every 33,000 years or so. And it's sitting out in, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, an arm of the Milky Way and we pass by this thing and it does us no good whatsoever. Uh, define, define that. Was he able to define that any further? What do you mean no good? Well, it, it, it is, evidently it has come through before and done all kinds of, of damage. And, um. As in destroying life? Yes, on Earth. And, uh, all, tilting all the planet. And, tilting the planet. Yes, and and changing things uh, around quite a bit. And it's got a thirty-three thousand year cycle. Yes. Um, so they're warning they're, us. They're saying you're going to go plowing into this thing or it into you. It's actually they said that that, um, and then they said something else about a companion sun. That's oh. going to be causing us problems. That that would cause us problems, all right. Yeah, but, and, but, but, and that, that we don't see it, and it's a dim, dark. These are both dim, dark suns, or the, there's only one of them. I I can't. I really. It's hard to decipher whether there's two of these things happening at once or just one of them, and um, it's evidently it's going to come through and between Earth and the Sun this time, and it's going to take. Mars and Venus, or not, uh, yeah, Mars and Venus with it when it goes, and it's oh. basically going to tilt and spin the Earth and oh. strip the uh, 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 atmosphere off of it. Oh, and it's going to pull out ejecta from the Sun, and the Earth is going to fly through it. And they said we don't oh. want to really be here when that all goes down. Well. Uh, we probably won't. I, I, I would think that uh, prior to uh, our passing through the sun's ejecta, we would be long gone. I mean, if that really happened. I think we, I think we would be. Uh, so He's uh, saying the Earth, putting it, just telling it straight here, the Earth is doomed. Yes. Doomed. Mars, Venus is doomed. Well, the, they, they said that there was basically the, the message that they left, was there was two ways basically of handling this. And one of them was for us to take responsibility for our thoughts and uh, learn to project physical reality, to actually create uh, physical effects in our reality. And that if we, if we calmed our thoughts, and and quit giving off. They said about in eighty percent of our thoughts we have a day uh, during a day are negative thoughts. That their anger, their uh, self-loathing, their uh, and this is uh, well, they're right about that. And and that it, it radiates out from the planet. It it it. it uh, they can measure the electrical impulses on our head with EEGs. But how does this affect what's going to happen every 33,000 years? Well, they said that if we could avoid it, if we would if we just do this on mass, if more of us were doing it on mass, 
and could actually calm the sun. They said we're going to see problems with our sun. There's going to be geomagnetic effects and, and, and gravitational pull effects and all kinds of things that are going to happen as we become more and more into the sphere of this thing. And then when we started seeing these things, we would know that that was the leading edge of the shadow of death and that we should... Uh, uh, you don't mean like now, do you? They, things were this beginning. Was, this happened. This happened in 1975, and um, I mean, the sun right now is going totally bananas. Yes, they said it was that we would it, it would start in approximately 25 years that we would notice that that was going on, and they 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 abducted him in October of 75, and here we are in the beginning of 2001 and you know I've noticed it before this I've started checking on this and and uh, found out about this thing Chandler's wobble and a couple of other things that are going on that, yep 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 that uh, uh, have been building for quite some time and uh, I and I, I, I I'm I have still been skeptical skeptical about this story and and but the, the more I find out the more things are starting you know to happen that they were predicting. Now you know, uh, uh, it's starting to frighten me. Yeah, but let, let me tell you something, I, Paul. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that so much of what you're saying, in a in a kind of a eerie way, absolutely makes sense, if it weren't for the fact that you're a Canadian, and I know Canadians are pretty laid back and not given to this sort of thing very much. No, these kind of wild stories. No. And and if it weren't for the photographs and just some nugget inside of me that's saying, you know, it feels like there's something to everything you're saying, I'd say you're crazy as a loon and so's Daniel Hammer. But I I I actually don't feel that, Paul. Wild hmm. as this story is, I don't feel that. Well, I it took me a while to decide I was I was going to. Well, I start this book started out as an article. And then it turned into like a 400-page book that was, uh, it was awful. And how, so how, I rewrote how, it all again. Yeah, how does Daniel feel about your writing this book? Is he okay with that? Yes, he's okay with it. He, he, uh, he didn't want me to talk too much. He didn't, he didn't really like the, 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 the parts about the, the, uh, uh, spirituality things that they were talking about because he doesn't want to be anybody's guru he doesn't want to be disturbed while he's working and uh and so saying too much about this is probably going to have people flocking to his uh his doorstep uh yes. you know about the end of the world and blah 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 right? blah blah yeah and he yeah, doesn't no, he doesn't need that it, 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 i i i was while i was uh, a thought that's happened to me a couple of times while i've been working on this story was uh, when I was like wondering what I was going to do, uh, this thought came to me: well, What would you do if you had met Noah, and he's building an ark in the middle of the friggin' desert? What would what would I do as a person? Well, I, I guess as you, if if I were, I would. Uh, I'd report it. I'd, I'd go. You're damn right. I'd go take photographs of it. Mm -hmm. I'd report it. I'd talk to the guy who's building it. I'd try and determine if he was out of his mind or whether something tugged at me and said maybe he's not out of his mind. Yeah, that little nugget inside, that, that, uh, that gut reaction, that's, that's what got me. 
there's there's not denying a lot of this story because we've got the visual evidence right in front of us, and and a lot of it is um, is well documented. It's just that holy mackerel, if it's true. Like Daniel says, what shall we do? I mean, he's got one, you've got to admit, little craft, even at full size, it's a little craft. Mm -hmm. it, it's certainly not going to carry many of us off this planet. No. And there aren't a lot of other granite uh, spaceships in construction right now. I'm not sure about that. Oh? No, I'm not well, sure about that. He's had visitors from all around the world. There's been visitors from Germany, Japan, Brazil. Uh, there was, um, I think the latest group was from Chile, because in the ocean off of Chile they have found these granite balls, and they didn't know what they were. But he's, they're, what they are are reject, he's, he thinks they're just rejected uh, balls, and there must be, a, and there must be a, a building site somewhere around that area. These are probably re balls that were built and rejected because they, they, they wouldn't work in the craft. See, the, the whole craft sits on three balls at the bottom, like, um, and that's what he built first this time. That's the brakes of the machine. That's how it's controlled. Uh, and uh, He hadn't had a lot of luck with brakes yet. No. Well, hey, this, this time he built the brakes first. Oh, that would make sense. After the first two experiences, I'd be building the brakes first, too. That's exactly what he did. So, um, uh, he's, uh, well. You do realize, don't you, how this sounds? Oh, I do. To, to, to some people, right? Yes, it, it's, uh, I think that's part of the reason I get kind of nervous. Uh, telling the story. Telling the story, because I, I, I pride myself on exposing the truth and finding out what really happened. And, okay. And, I, and so you just went out there and... You ran into this. I suppose in some ways you're probably sorry you did. Mm, in a way, yeah. The, the, I, I imagine if I hadn't had the, my dear... Uh, I had a near-death experience in 1979, so I've been dead, and I, 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 I'm not afraid of it. It, it, it. it was quite pleasant, actually, you know. So, That's what uh, a lot of NDE experiencers say, pleasant. Listen, you wrote a book. I want to give you a chance to plug your book here. Uh, we're going to take some calls, and I have no idea what's going to happen when oh, we do that. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll love it. Mm. But uh, the book is Granite Starship, Conversations with an Alien Concerning the Nature and uh, Nature of the Secrets of the Universe, right? Yes. All right. Uh, we've got your website link up there, and there is an 800 number. How much is your book? It's $24.95. $24.95? Yes. Is it uh, available nationally at all in bookstores? Yet? Um, not yet. Not no. yet. All right. As a matter right. of fact, it, I've, I've had uh, bad about, luck with our bookstores here in Canada. How about Amazon.com? Um, no, I haven't been with So Amazon. only the 800 number right now, okay? Yes. Right. Um, and so he's, he, again, he's not uncomfortable with the fact that you've written this book. And there's a lot more photographs than we've got on the website in the book, right? Um, actually, there's uh, no actual no photographs in the book. Really? No. Why didn't you put pictures in there? Um, I, I'm kicking myself for not doing that. I bet you are. All right, hold, hold on, Paul. we got a break right here. Hold on. What a story. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM 
from April 11th, 2001. Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from April 11, 2001. Why can they build out a song? Well, 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 this story is getting deeper and deeper as we go. Huh. I just got to the bottom of some information uh, which actually confirms this story now more than ever. Just wait till you hear what's coming up. Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. Isn't this interesting? Really interesting. I've got all these very wise people that send me computer messages during the course of the program. And uh, here is, let's see, Eric uh, um, Fast Blast Me from Vancouver Island. The more I listen, the more the story sounds like that of David, and I'm not going to give the last name, but it's not Hammer. It's not H-A-M-M-E-R. Similar name, says Eric. Used to live in B.C., sure enough, granite, cones, 45-gallon drum, explosion, the whole thing. They know about it up there, only the name isn't Hammer. You want to go ahead and cop to that, Paul? I, I must. I must cop to that. That's right. His so you changed, Hammer. you changed his name a little to at, what, his request? Yes, 
to protect him from getting inundated from people turning up on his front doorstep. Yeah, he says, I don't, I don't, he, well, basically he doesn't want any doomsday cultists. Yep. And, yep. Uh, I understand. Um, uh, frenzied people. No, pounding on his no, door. No, believe me, believe me, I understand. All, I guess all I want to say about this is, it was important for us to go ahead and say this because there are a lot of people who obviously know his name, and they're confirming this story right now. A lot of them are, and so it just it really adds to the credibility of of what you're saying. I just guess I had to force you into doing this. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm I'm. Uh... I'm I'm trying to help him as best I can. He's uh, all right. Then audience, I'm, all of I you. I told him I would take the uh, I would take the heat. Yeah, all of you in the audience then who do obviously know his last name, please don't give it out on the air. We know that you know now, and um, um, please for the protection of this man, and and I hope you can understand why he'd want to be protected. I certainly would. Please don't give his name on the air. Just re refer to him as David H. <laughs> Would that be all right if they call him David H? Well, that's okay. I, I, Dan I'm sorry, I, I Daniel. I call him Daniel Hammer Daniel. because he's he's kind of like Daniel in the lion's den. Yeah, I, I, in, I, I said David. Way, and, but he's he's relentless. Yeah. He's like a hammer. He just keeps right on right. pounding. So we'll call him Daniel H. Yes. All right? Yes. Thank you, audience. I'm depending on you. And actually, if you do it, I'll bleep you because I do want to protect the man's identity. But this really does add to the credibility of the whole story. So sorry about that, Paul. Okay. I'm, I'm glad to hear this uh, of the feedback as well. Yeah. Oh, it's it's inevitable. I get feedback like crazy. All right. Well, so here, do I. here we go. Um, wild card line. You're on the air with uh, my guest, um, uh, Paul Colbeck. Hi. Hi, Paul. Hi, Art. Longtime listener. Haven't been able to get through because the 800 is so busy. Joe from WRKO, Boston. Yes, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Do you have a question? Yes, I do have a question, Paul. Yes, Joe. Any way I could get in touch with you? Because I too am handicapped. Maybe I could be of some help. I would I would love if I could ever see that thing or even feel it to go on maybe and have a ride with you people in it. If well, all right. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. See, that's the kind of thing that he's probably scared to death of, isn't he? That's right. Yes. But um, uh, uh, I did my best to describe it as best I could. And, and give out the uh, complete as much of the complete information as I as I possibly could, and you just folks, you just folks, you just had an example of why we're not wanting to give out his real last name. I mean, uh, obviously people are going to flock to him. I want to ride. I want to ride. Take well, me, we, I'd love I'd love to help everyone, but it's it's an impossibility. But. Uh, we feel that if we could get one of the craft built, that it's not that difficult to build one of these things. This one man did it by wow. himself. Well, how, and there how are long? other people around the world who have come and visited him and worked with him yes. for a while, scientists, and yes. they've gone off back to their corner of the world, and who knows what they're doing. Yes, but, but um, how many have we actually seen fly? I don't know. What is it we see flying now? Well, Is that ours or theirs? Raise a very, you raise a very, very interesting and good point. I hadn't thought about that. East of the Rockies, uh, you're on the air with Paul Colbeck. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you? Uh, in Ohio. Ohio. Okay. And uh, I just wanted to say I've been waiting to see something like this on the show for a long time. Um, 
I'm in a group of over 100 people on the Internet, and we're trying to duplicate what he's doing. So you know about all this? Oh, yeah. We've, we've had a few members of the group that have contacted him, and he's given us all kind of information. So you know Daniel H., and hmm. you, know, you know his real name? Oh, yes. Okay. I don't want you to give it out no, either, no. all right? Please. No, I was going to correct you until you made that announcement. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, but he you, said the, this information has been out for years. Do you have uh, the plans? Do you have the, uh, the plans oh, yeah. to build this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right do. now I'm building one that's only 18 inches by 2 foot. Watch out. The motor. Don't but, get to uh, watch out. Build the brakes <laughs> first. Figure out some way of stopping it first, man. Right. Right. We have a few people that have had some success, but the same thing happened. You know, it just implodes. Yeah. It implodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of falls in on itself. This is amazing. I mean, how could all this be going on and my not knowing about it until tonight? Well, that's like what I, I wonder. Uh, here I am in 1998, and this guy, this happened to this fellow in, in 75. Of course, at that time, I was an ambulance attendant and working EMT work. Yeah, but I'm talking about... Now, I guess it's because it's Canada, and you know, not a lot of information is shared between the media in Canada and the media in America. Um, I, I'm sure you get bombarded by our news, but we don't get much of your news from Canada. So that might be one answer. I don't know. The, uh, the aliens told him that uh, they give this information to us many times, but it gets lost, and he researched it and found uh, pictures in the pyramid, and... He found one pyramid in uh, of the Indians in Mexico, and has the same thing. Their the writings. If I if you ever get a book, oh, I can't think what it is now, but it has all the hieroglyphics of the pyramid. Yes, and it does have pictures of this device in the pyramids. I'll be damned. All right, all right. Call and it. instructions uh, built in uh, well, that language cuneiform of how to go about building this thing. And how to control it and everything is. This is ancient knowledge that we had and we've lost it. And they came back to get I, it. I, I, I don't know what to say. Caller, um, so you've known about this for how long? Oh, about two years. Two years. Who am I? All right. I just th- did a th- search on the internet and found it. All right. I, I thank you for the call. And, uh, take care. I, I mean, I mean, you've got to admit that, uh, if you were to hear this for the for the first time, like a lot of people are tonight, they're going, these guys are Looney Tunes, uh, but you're not. You're not Looney Tunes at all. Uh, he's not Looney Tunes, and obviously an awful lot of people out there. So the, many of these craft then could have been built, and that's at least some of what we might be seeing in our skies. Yes, and parts and pieces of him, of his concept, much like Tesla, where they took parts and pieces of Tesla's work and and you know made television out of it over here and radio out of it over there. Uh, they take parts and pieces of of, uh, of Daniel's work and and uh, uh, make little uh, example toys and things out of it instead of going ahead and building the craft, and, and he, he gets quite upset about that. I can imagine. Well, again, I can't believe that you've never heard of the Coral Castle in Florida. No, I... Because, I mean, here's a little 100-pound guy, um, five feet tall, who was moving 20-ton pieces of granite, and nobody, nobody knows how he did it, but he built this granite castle, and it sounds like... I mean, obviously, some ancient, advanced, ancient-slash-advanced technology allowed him to do this. Yes. 
All right. Well, so I hadn't heard your story, and you hadn't heard mine. Um, was it the Rockies? I, I wonder if he was perhaps using this technique. Does anyone know what technique did he use at all? Uh, no. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Uh, this is Donna from Oregon. Hi, Donna. And I had a couple of comments and, a, and then a question. Um, I'm glad to hear you're back on the air and somebody out there like you doing this. Oh, thank, thank <laughs> you. Because I think there's a lot of things that uh, are out there and people just don't know. We don't get the whole story. Obviously. Uh, and um, Paul and or Art, uh, the, did you ever hear any more Art about the place in Florida where they found the, you know, in the center it was an eye looking up at the sky and they had stones around it. Uh, they were going to build condos on it and... And, oh, you're uh, talking about the Miami Circle. Yeah, the Miami Circle. Oh, yeah, the Miami Circle is safe. It's oh. been saved. Oh, yes. good. Okay, because you went off the air, and I couldn't find you for months and months. No, and no, just Miami. just caught up with you in March. So no, it's, it's fine. I wonder if this has something to do with that. As he's saying, there's hieroglyphics, and there's, there's instruction on this other stuff. And because it's of natural origins from our planet, we wouldn't wonder if somebody, you know, found a piece of stone or whatever. But um, maybe it all falls in together somewhere. And uh, when he was talking about this, the thing that kept coming across my mind, and then he just said it before the last break, was Noah's Ark. Everybody laughed at him. What are you doing? You know, and here we go again. So um, I'll get off to here. Yeah, I mean, somehow the, the parts and pieces of this story all fall together in a way that kind of makes sense, actually. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Don't they? Mm -hmm. Sure does. So maybe maybe the circle in Florida and that eye in the sky and looking for something, and did they ever find out what the pictures were on the other uh, stones? Maybe it's all... You know, what are we looking to? Is it yeah. for warning us of something coming, like what what is happening now with our son and such? Yep. So. Yep. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, it all, for me, kind of falls together, Paul, in a way that really does make sense. Yes. When you get the entire picture, when you get the overview, yes. it, it, it makes sense. Does he, uh, does he talk to people... Obviously, if people come from around the world, he talks to others who are considering building a craft like this. Yes. But I take it that, um, I mean, for example, how would you get me in to talk to him? Have you developed a relationship that's close enough that you could get me in to talk to him and to see what he's doing? Yes. Yes, I could. But if I'd like a lot... I'd wait for a while, though, because our weather is still kind of bad up here. <laughs> We're about 40, about 40, 38 to 40 degrees, and, and when we started, it was it was fairly quiet out there, but now we've got flashes of lightning and big booms, so if you hear any noises on the line, that's they're just getting a storm. Uh, in Toronto? In Toronto. With those temperatures? Yeah, 38 to 40 degrees. We've had thunderstorms in the winter and snow... Snow thunders and lightning. Snow thunders. Yes. Oh, it's, it's, get, of, it's getting weird out there, it's Paul. It's getting I'm strange, yes. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Paul Colback. Hi. Hi, Art. How are you doing? Uh, well, all right. Uh, this is uh, George up in uh, Toronto. Yes. Oh, you're in Toronto. Well, I'm in Toronto, and uh, the storms are starting to move in right now. Thunder and lightning all over the place. <laughs> Uh, one thing, I uh, want to welcome you uh, back on the airways. Oh, thank you. And uh, you've got a uh, great name. And the other thing I want to say is that uh, this turkey just doesn't fly for me. No? In other words, you know, like two universes over, I'm trying to figure out what that means, uh, around uh, whatever uh, nebula. Why would, that, why would that so surprise you when 
when our uh, physicists now are finding that there are other dimensions and even beginning to size them and determine the size and the number of the other dimensions. These are our best scientists, and that's what they're beginning to come up with. So why doesn't it fly for you? Well, I get into uh, cosmology, uh, you know, which uh, deals with the uh, universes, and uh, if we're going into multi-universes, uh, the thing is that we're not in uh, connection with uh, other universes. The one thing I did was uh, I did a, a calculation, and I said, if I uh, took the Earth, 8,000-mile uh, diameter, and shrunk it down to an inch, the moon would be two and a half feet away from the Earth at uh, one-inch diameter. Yes. Okay? Yes. The sun would be 969 feet away. It would be a nine-foot disk. Yeah, uh, you're doing everything to scale. Okay, yeah. and your point is what? Alpha Centauri, the nearest star to us, right. would be 52,000 miles away. Yep. Gotcha. With, the, I with the Earth as one inch. Right. Light years no. and light years, yes. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about, uh, you know, like two universes away, that sounds very arbitrary. In other words, like, uh, you know, I could say, well, you know, I'm talking to aliens uh, five, universes away, uh, five universes away or 15 universes away. It doesn't mean anything to me. You know, in other words, you know, where do these, uh, these things come from? And the other thing was, he said that uh, his uh, fellow Daniel Hammer, whatever his name is, took a trip out to some galaxy or around some that's galaxy right, or whatever. Right. That's right, yes. You know, and uh, it it just doesn't ring true to me. And that's the way I feel. Well, the first negative view we get is from not only a fellow Canadian, but a fellow Torontoan. <laughs> Torontoite? Torontoite. It's thundering like hell up here right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Art. at least you confirmed that part of it for us. Thanks very much. All right, thank you okay. very much. All right, so uh, how about how do you react to that, uh, uh, Paul? Well, er, um, in a typical Canadian fashion, everyone has the right to their opinion, and he's kind of has his. And so pe people do have, people do have rights to opinions in Canada. That's right, and right. and and um, um, uh, when he started telling me the story, when I first read it, I didn't believe it was really true either. Really. I mean, I, I find this... I really got into researching it and looking at it and, and, and working some of the experiments that he, he showed me that no, I understand. I'd like to there. show you. You've taken the photos. We've got the photos on the website, folks. Go Ooh. look at them yourself. This is real. All of this really happened. Whether you want to believe, I guess, some portions of the story or not, an awful lot of it is obviously absolutely true. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess some people will at some point suspend belief, and they'll say, well, okay, I can see he did this, and, well, there's records of that, and so forth and so on. Maybe he did all that. But then they stop believing at some point. Others will see, I think, the logic in it. When you look at the ancient technology that's represented by the pyramids, that, by the way, we still don't understand. We don't even have a clue about the pyramids and other similar objects here on Earth that represent similar ancient technology. We, we, we have no clue. So why is everything we're not hearing from you totally logical? To me, it could be totally true. That's, that's all I'm saying. Wildcard Line, you're on the air um, good, uh, with uh, Paul Colbeck and Art Bell. Hi. Hey, Art Bell. And hey, Paul. This is Chris over in Honolulu, Hawaii, uh, listening to you from uh, KHVH, uh, 8.30 a.m. You bet. 
Uh, well, that last caller was a little bit uh, of a skeptic. Uh, uh, he's kind of going by old school uh, astrophysics and stuff, and uh, that wouldn't apply to interdimensional uh, reality because we haven't even a model yet uh, that's, that's applicable. So uh, he couldn't say one yay or nay uh, as far as that goes. Uh, no, I agree. Thing, I agree. Uh, one thing. Oh, uh, before we, uh, before I ask my question to Paul, okay. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, the other night you had Ed Dames on. Yes. And he said, uh, oh, the grandfather of all um, paranormal shows was In Search Of. Well, he must be uh, younger than we are because uh, I seem to recall one back in the 50s called One Step Beyond. Okay. Remember that? Yeah, of course I do. Oh, of course you do. Well, of course I do, too. Uh, anyway, that was the grandfather of all uh, paranormal shows. I just wanted to, for the for the record... Uh, just in case anybody's forgotten that one, that was a really good one. I think Dick Paul was the ho Dick Powell was the host on that one. Anyhow, uh, so my question is this: uh, you know, science fiction for a long time has had a uh, um, postulation about uh, hollowing out asteroids and using them for long-term uh, habitable uh, platforms, as well as you know, attaching some sort of propulsion units to them. That's right. And, They're nothing and, but big rocks, right? Right, exactly. I mean, these, these are giant-sized rocks, basically. Uh, we, we thought about that, you know, as long ago as the 50s. Now, the, the idea is... Uh, we were also discussing recently about... You know, all right, listen, uh, I'm, I'm at the bottom of the hour. I'll hold you over if you want to hold over. Okay, that's fine. Sure. Hold, all right, then stay right there. A granite starship? Is that so outrageous? Maybe it's not. Think about granite. Think about some of the things here on Earth. And think about what you've heard tonight. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001.
You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from April 11th, 2001. Yeah, that's right. Let's not forget the international line, all right? It's uh, something that we'd love to have you try, no matter where you are in the world, in Europe, in Asia, South America, whatever. Get the code or call the AT&T operator. Figure out how to do that. We've got it on the website. And then dial or have her call 800 800- 893-0903. That's 800-893-0903 internationally. We'll get back to my guest, Paul Kolbeck, in just a moment. Two thousand one on Art Bell, somewhere in time. All right, the book is called Granite Starship Conversations with an Alien Concerning the Nature of the Secrets of the Universe and How to Build this Starship. Now, uh, there's certain things. I, I want to finish up with this call. Um, you're back on the air again. Hi, how's it going? Uh, we were talking about uh, some of the science fiction of the, of the 50s and 60s, talking about hollowing out uh, asteroids and using them as uh, right. yes. as platforms and putting uh, drives on them. If we had some sort of... Uh, a propulsion system that had the, the, such capabilities as he was describing. Uh, imagine, uh, you know, it, w- right now we're limited. We have to use the lightest materials possible. You get asteroids, uh, astronauts up in space, and if there's a solar flare and radiation, they're they're highly exposed. Absolutely. If you had the ability to hollow out solid rock and create a propulsion system that could lift this thing up and, and fling it into space. Well, or maybe we shouldn't think of it as a propulsion system. Maybe we ought to think of it more as, um, as something that um, manipulates gravity. Well, that's that's part of it. Uh, uh, the other side would be uh, uh, dimensional, as the, the other caller, the previous caller, had spe- spoke of. He was trying to uh, a well a well uh, meaning diagram about the the vast distances of space. But the fact of the matter is, uh, if you if you had some means of circumventing them, such as uh, through a dimensional doorway, uh, where time and space become meaningless. Uh, uh, the black holes, for example, if, if you could survive the plunge into a black hole, you Absolutely. could emerge out to another end someplace. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. I, the I, question I, I have, wait, the, the, Paul, are you yes. there? Yeah, yes, Chris. Okay, yeah, the question I have, uh, what do you think is uh, the completion time would be on this and, and when he would be ready for a demonstration? All right. Um. Right now, we're working on trying to get a uh, a, um, a stone quarry that where the the building of the shells of the craft could begin. Um, I, I would say it, it it would depend on depends on whether he's doing it by himself or if I can get some people out there helping him. That's kind of what's happening here. I'm trying to get him. Yeah, uh, building the full size model. The full size model. Different but, matter. But 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 uh, so but he's, he's, he's it, already, it could be a couple of years. He's already got the rings all set. He's already got the engine built. He yeah, just he's... needs to do the granite shells now, which to me I would think that's really the hard part. But he says he can use uh, parts of the engine to levitate these things the way they you know bingo the way they were doing it. I knew it. 
before. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. All right. Uh, now listen to me, Paul. I've got to ask you a couple of uh, questions. All right. Yeah. Tough, tough questions. Um, number one. Uh, Daniel H. We're calling him that. We're protecting his real last name. Mm-hmm. There are, as I told you, a lot of people who really know his last name. Even in your book, you apparently have a place where you say it is not his real last name. Is that correct? That's right. All right. Did you do that specifically because he asked you to? Um, we discussed this thing about all the heat that that this kind of that the that a book that talked about the lecture and what the the, the aliens told him, other than just the craft part. Uh, would probably bring, and I promised him that I would take all the heat for that. And uh, you're aware that um, uh, people have the internet now, and they can do searches. They can do searches. They could probably find him. Uh, he's not on the internet, and uh, oh, I know. But I mean, other people have written things about him, and yes. so forth, right? Yes. So, uh, did he give other permissions for other people to write, or were you the only one who got? permission to do sort of an official accounting i think there have been other people who have gotten uh, the rights to do an official accounting and then uh i'm not too sure but i'm trying to follow it up they they wrote a a book where he was uh, just part of the overall story and they kind of everyone's trying to steal his thunder and i think he's one of the greatest guys that i've ever met well, because, why? All right. Why wouldn't somebody say, "Oh, aren't you stealing his thunder?" Well, because uh, I'm trying to help him build this craft, and that's basically the reason I, I wrote the book was okay. to tell the story so that we could get okay. some help uh, building this thing. And I want to see it work. So, uh, so matter of fact, say, I'd like to own one of these oh, things. I'm, hey, listen, I'm with you. So, so then we could say that Granite Starship conversations with an alien concerning the nature of the secrets of the universe, the book that you wrote, was written totally with the permission of the man building the craft, right? Yes. All right. Yes. All right. He, he helped me while I was writing the book. I'd All call right. him up and ask him questions, and he would clarify, clarify All right, that's good enough for me. for me. That's good enough for me. All right. Um, let's, let's continue. So many questions. Um, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Paul Colbeck. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm wonderful. How are you guys? Pretty good. Turn your radio off, please. Okay. It's very important. Extinguish thy radio before speaking. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Where are you? I am in Wisconsin. All right. Frederick, Wisconsin, KSTP 1500. Ah, the mighty 1500, yes. <clears throat> uh, me and my fiance have been listening to your show for a while now. It's it's quite a work. Quite, quite a great... Uh, Work you're doing there. Anyway, um, <clears throat> my question was regarding the nature of the interdimensional thing. Um, so, but basically what we're saying here is that these guys are not only interspatial, but interdimensional as well. Is that a true statement, Paul? I would, yes. Yes, they start, they, they, um, there's, they get, uh, traveling so fast that they actually change dimensions. And they can go from anywhere in the universe to anywhere else in the universe in a matter of minutes. And does this have something to do with the design of the ship, then, I'm assuming? Um, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the method they use to, um, to 
propel the craft. Okay. If I am understanding this right, they actually form out between themselves and wherever they're going. They, they, they. Um, he called it uh, boiling the uh, the matter of the universe. They kind of boil the substance of the universe, wow. and it creates a, uh, a an electromagnetic gravitational black hole. And the granite ship, they can make it fall towards that hole. And um, whenever you like leave the planet, whichever which way you're going, you're falling. You're falling away from the planet when you go. And uh, that's basically what they're doing. They're falling through space with this black hole, like a uh, oh, like like a, like a carrot on a stick. And the, the 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 ship is chasing this thing, and it just moves faster and faster uh, as it falls towards this black hole and pushes the black hole away from it as it falls through um, the vastness of the universe. Just wow. And they, they hit such high speeds that uh, the other uh, thing about this, this, this uh, motor they have, as it, as it, the faster it goes and the more, it's, it's, the more vibration it has, the more power it puts off, uh, it's like the more you, you use of it, the more of it you have, the more power it hmm. opens up. And Boy, and you know, that sounds just like something that I was told by somebody, and I'm sorry, it won't come back to me right now, but somebody really in the know theorized that might be possible. I think it had to do with the use of dark matter. I, I can't exactly recall, but, but that does make sense. Ma'am, anything else? Yes. Um, my other question was pertaining to... The uh, the connection to the the Mayan, Mayan ruins. Now, is this something that there's like a particular site hieroglyphics that would be able to tell me more if I were to look back at the archaeological writing? That's um, that's that's in uh, this is the first book in a series of books that I'm writing, and uh, I'm 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 trying to uh, I'm digging into and finding out information. Um, a lot of the stuff that there was a fellow named Van Daniken. Yes, uh, Eric Von of, Daniken. Pardon? Eric Von Daniken. Eric Von Daniken. Yes, right. Yes. Uh, he he uh, well, he found square caves, mm-hmm. square tunnels in in the mountain, and there's like drawings on the side of the, of a mountain. Like how would you how would you do that? And evidently, with this magnetic power that these people have. Uh, Magnetic amplification power that these people have uh, perfected, um, they can make openings happen in rock. They can just make it open in, in whatever shape they want. So this, they just may have just opened it up. Um, wow. Uh, they can control fires with it. They can uh, move snow, um, mountains, uh, just move stuff with this thing. Anything so it would be like nothing for them to to make little drawings. It would be like doodling. Right. All right. Yeah, well, I guess yeah. my question was, was there a particular site that I should look for, like well, Palenque I mean, or Tikal? Or... Uh, you mean uh, here on Earth? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, an archaeological site um, uh, that, Paul, that might tell her the most here on Earth is what she's asking. No, I'm not really sure of that yet. I'm, I'm still looking for those myself. All right, I have in my audience uh, what are called pixel people. I, I name them pixel people because they take all photographs that I put up on the web, all photographs, and they 
tear them down until they magnify them about six million times, and then they look at two pixels and they say, that's out of place. Therefore, that's a fake photograph. Mike, blast me right now. Fast blast me. Those photos are so fake. The ones you put up there? And, you know, I think this is kind of mindless of Mike, because I don't see how these photos uh, could possibly be fake. They were obviously taken with a... What did you take them with? Can you well, tell us? Well, unfortunately, it was a VHS camera. Yep. And uh, I'm going to go up and do some digital work, so, actually. So you VHS the whole thing, and then... I VHS it, and then I took it down to our studio, and I video captured those... Um, shots and 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 email them to you that's basically uh, to me they don't look fake at all i no, well, i know i just pulled the, them out of the the one that you might question of course is the one of the microfilm yes because I, of the way that comes out but the other ones the ones of his shop and of the rings and the whole smear uh-uh i don't buy that i don't see them as fake at all i never even for a second questioned those photographs they look they, they're totally legit as far as i'm concerned I don't know. I took them off the video I shot. You know what can I say? And 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 again, you're pretty sorry you didn't put them in the book, huh? Y yes, but I I was planning on uh, uh, building a, a bigger website and building the website up and putting more information in and 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 keeping people abreast that way too. Okay. And uh, color um, um, printing and all that stuff. It was just uh, got I, to be. Actually, I know it's expensive. In, in yes, it's, I, I know it is. Yeah. And and. and, and well, I'm not very wealthy or anything like that, and I'm, you know. No, I understand. I mean, I've taken on this in, incredibly uh, crazy task of helping to build a, a flying saucer. It's, it, it sounds kind of weird, but then <laughs> when I say it like that, I <laughs> look at myself sideways. But uh, it's all right. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. Uh, just... um, one of the callers earlier brought up something I think might be interesting uh, as well as an interesting part of this story uh, that uh, it points back to the ancient knowledge that we've lost. Um, she was talking about the uh, the uh, circle in Florida. Um, yes, the Miami it, Circle, so-called. Evidently, there are several of those around the, the planet, and one of them is, is Stonehenge, and it's one of the best preserved and is sitting there uh, to this day. And according to Daniel, the aliens told him that the purpose of Stonehenge was as a granite workbench to build these craft on, and right. that the reason it's on a big on on those heavy stones like that is so that the stones could take the vibration when they tested the craft, and that the winds rushing off the craft. <sighs> would have area to dissipate into is the reason they put it out on a big clear hillock like that. Well, you know what? Your explanation or his of Stonehenge makes as much sense as anybody else's and maybe even a little more. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, uh, Paul Kolbeck. Hi. Hi. Is this, am I on? Yes. Yes. Hi. It, it you. Uh, where, where are you? Uh, I'm in California. Okay. And, by the way, I drove from Reno. I'm in Northern California, and we had... Hail and snow and rain and sleet all day long. It's just totally incredible for this time of year. I know. It's just insane. Um, Chris, like your previous caller, basically asked my question. I was looking at the pictures, and uh, 
by the way, I, I mean, they, I don't see how they could not be authentic. Right. Him in his workroom there, and what he's done um, is incredible. But I was just, if he's trying to do it by himself, that's. I, and then I looked at the, uh, the microfilm shot, and I thought, uh, how long is this going to take this guy to do this? You know. So that was basically my question. Oh well, obviously, I, I suppose, uh, if alone, at least a couple of more years. Yeah. With help, maybe sooner. Yeah. You know what I'm wondering? What? I'm wondering, all these things that we see happening now with the weather and the sun going berserk, even though it is in a cycle, as it were, um, all of these things going on, might they be the precursor to the 33,000-year slap? Wow. So how, how uh, we should be asking, so so we should be asking ourselves, how quickly do we want to build one of these? That's right. That's right. A quick getaway might not no, be a bad no, but, idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I did have a question. Um, is this a wild card line? Can I ask you something? Uh, we went into the gallery. Um, well, this is the west of the Rockies line, actually. Oh, oh, okay. Well, can I ask you a question about one of your gallery photos? Uh, which one? The one with the arm coming out of the television set. We were just going through it, and my niece just got scared to death and said I had to sleep with her tonight. She's visiting me. <laughs> is that a photo? I mean, is that an actual... You know, I don't even know which one you're talking about. Oh, there is a very strange photo of a... And, and the letter was that, that this guy was watching television and, and his screen went white. And the photo is a, a television with a white snowy screen and there's this perfectly flesh-colored arm and hand. Yeah, okay, which one? I'm, I'm in gallery. Which, uh, it, there's a... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, ghost picture. Ghost. Uh, how far back is it? Uh, it's on page, I think, two. Page two, Or it right. could be five. I don't know. I went through all of them. Well, there's a big difference here, because... Um, oh, brother. Yeah. There's so much to see here. Um, it could have been five, huh? That was really shocking, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I, 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 I could eventually get back there. I'm sure. I understand, yeah. But. But that was, it was really a freaky picture. Well, and probably the most clear of them all. All right. Um, is it entitled "The Incident"? I'm not sure. Okay. Well. Listen, we're going to be doing uh, Ghost to Ghost on uh, on Friday night. Oh, okay. All right? Okay, well, I'll, I'll look it up again and find out exactly what it is for you. Well, our, I see a TV, actually. Oh, okay. And I and don't know. when you enlarge it, when you, when you see the small picture, then when you enlarge it, it's just... Oh, my God, you're yeah! right. <laughs> I'm on... My it, all right, it, it is page five. Good God, there's a hand coming out of this television. And it's so... Odd. I mean, with the color of the hand and the, you know, I thought, oh, it's got to be a double exposure. I've but, never seen know. this photograph. That <laughs> oh, is... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's on page five in the gallery. And there's this hand coming out of a TV. Aye, 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 aye. No wonder. All right. Listen, uh, <laughs> we'll take this up during Ghost to Ghost, all right? All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Yeah, I you're, love your show. You're very welcome. Thank you. Oh, my God, she's right. You ought to see that hand is coming right out of it. All right. Listen, Paul, um, what a pleasure it has been, uh, Paul. What an incredible story. I'm glad, you, I'm glad we could tell it the way we did. 
I am too. It, it, I, it, it's, uh, it's fantastic. We hit on a lot of points, but there's still a lot to be told. Uh, well, uh, if there is, you know where to tell it. Right oh, here. I'll, I'll take you up on that. Thanks, Paul, and good night. Paul Colbeck. That's the story of the Granite Starship, Conversations with an Alien Concerning the Nature and Secrets of the Universe. You can get a copy of that book. Ta-ta.